0: Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with The Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on The Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to share it as well.
1: Get it? It's adventure music.
0: Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show.
2: It started as a scratch. Then everyone got in a fur pile, and pretty soon we were all yiffing. Gary Hoffman. Who is that guy? Love your suit.
3: Shannon Ferris.
1: She's just a driven young woman. I don't know where she gets it.
3: Do you guys know what this is? Gary and Shannon. Places, please. The dance is about to begin.
1: Gary and Shannon on Mondays, you know, you think they're going to be slow, but with this administration, there is no such thing as a slow news day. Uh, This was the
3: president just moments ago. And American, it is not enough to merely have an American presence in space. We must have American dominance. In space, so important. Very importantly, I'm hereby directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a Space Force as the sixth <laughs> branch of the armed forces. Wait it's a for big it. statement. Space force. We Wait. are going to have the Air Force and we are going to have the Space Force, separate but equal, It is going to be something so important. General Dunford.
1: Separate but equal. Separate but equal. Oh, boy. Holy hell. That
0: sounds... uh, I heard this term somewhere at some point, separate but equal. That sounds (laughs) good. It sounds
1: like something from the history of this great country. I'll use it to describe
0: Air Force and lack of Air Force in the Space Forces. (laughs) That's fun. That is fun. I like that idea of a Space Force.
1: Do you think he's using Space Force, our new sixth branch of the armed forces, uh, to kind of move the conversation away from the kids in the cages?
0: <laughs> no, I don't think he has that ability. Uh, I, I, if it is, if that's an if attempt to do this. If I see one more
1: kid in a cage, I mean, that's all the news coverage has been over the weekend, and, this morning. And you do realize. Uh, kids in cages. Look at Wolf Blitzer up there. His backdrop is a, a, a fence. Yeah. Chain
0: link fence. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of those pictures, by the way. A lot of those pictures are not current. Uh, I mean, this, this image right here is uh, a border protection officer giving a tour of some of these areas. And you see kids behind a chain link fence and they're laying That was on over a, the
1: weekend. That's at that, that, that one d- is detention center. It's called Ursula, which I find to be an interesting name for like a detention center where they're keeping children, you know. Um, we
0: have to... I, I think what's really confusing about all of this is whether or not there is an actual policy that calls for the separation of kids from their parents and what happens to them in the event that this does. By the way, this is not a new thing. Stop saying that, the, that President Trump is the one who did this. It is currently going on in higher numbers than it had in the past but this is not a new thing
1: it's only going on in higher numbers though because of attorney general jeff sessions and his directive in april uh the zero tolerance policy and that's not about kids uh it just it refers to all cases of illegal entry zero tolerance everybody who they catch who enters the country illegally will be prosecuted criminally. And one of the, the steps in that protocol is separating the kids from the parents.
0: Yes. The, to, to be clear, I saw this written this way, and I want to read it because I don't want to screw this up. To be clear, there is no official administration policy that states that every family entering the U.S. without papers has to be separated. There is no policy like that. What there is is a policy that, all adults caught crossing into the United States illegally are supposed to be criminally prosecuted. That's where, be, that's where it's zero tolerance. It doesn't matter if they're here seeking asylum or whatever. They're saying if you cross the border illegally, uh, you will be or you are supposed to be criminally prosecuted. And when that happens to a parent, separation is inevitable because we in the federal detention system do not have the ability to care for families. To me, that's where the breakdown is. To me, that's the policy that needs to be fixed because in this case, you've got the adults slash parents, if they are in fact the parents, are taken away. They are put in federal detention centers, uh, federal prisons, whatever it is, awaiting trial. And then the kids are handed over to Health and Human Services, and that's where you get these giant facilities, uh, usually run by nonprofits, but obviously coordinating with Health and Human Services to house these kids. What I don't get is... In a country as large as this, in a, uh, a place, or I should say in a situation where we know these things are going on, do we not have the ability to come up with some way to keep families together while they're awaiting trial?
1: That's the breakdown right there. I mean, we should be doing better. We should, when, when, the, when the kids started getting stacked up in the cages back in April, we should have gone to the negotiation table and said, we can't have this. What are we going to do? But because we have this, I think Jeff Sessions thinks that this will be enough to force Democrats to the negotiating table when it comes to the wall. Uh, he said over the weekend, if we build the wall, if we pass legislation to end the lawlessness, we won't face these terrible choices. I think he's using these kids almost bargaining chips to get what they want in terms of immigration policy. And I
0: think he's missing that bet. I, I think he's going to lose. Yeah, out on I that. think you're right. Because of the PR of this. It,
1: it's a disaster.
0: If if there are Republicans in Congress who are now, I mean, we talked a little bit yesterday. When we come back, I'll explain some of the, the details of these two immigration bills that House Republicans have been working on. If... They go forward with these votes without adding information, without adding uh, language in there to stop this policy or to amend the policy to make it a little bit more mm, palatable for people. Then, then they're in for a big, big loss on this.
1: The president over the weekend and today continues to blame Democrats and the policy that was in place. That's resulting. Uh, that that this is resulting from. People are getting tired of that. People don't want to hear Republicans to blame. They don't want to hear Democrats to blame. They don't want to hear uh, Jeff Sessions is to blame. They just want it fixed. They want that part fixed, where we're putting these kids in these cages away from their parents, and and, and that needs to be taken care of because the playing politics with with kids like this is dumb.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and and you can make the argument. It's not the president who's putting these kids in this position you know it's the well it's are, a zero
1: pol- tolerance policy directive it is
0: but it's also one of those things where he didn't invite the people over here and then no. smack them and and you know separate the kids
1: from the well, parents well and and what kind of message is this sending though i mean because news has got to be getting to people that that thought about maybe making a run for the border right and now it's like oh well if i'm separated from my kid maybe it does serve as a deterrent
0: but uh, the thing is i don't know if this will be in place long enough To get enough of an impact. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's been two months or whatever. We're starting to see the headlines. People are you know, tearing their hair out about it. And while it is trickling down into other places where people would come here from, uh, I don't I don't know if it's going to make enough of an impact or it's going to be the bigger headline is going to be when this policy is reversed and people are allowed to keep their kids. Then they say, Oh, I got my kids and they got dreamers, and now we, my, let's go, kids. Time to go. All
1: right, more on this coming up next. Go to Disneyland. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming out on Friday. Oh,
0: that was very nice. That was a good time. I had to.
1: No, I'm not talking to you. Yeah, you had to be there. there. That was a great time.
0: a lot of fun. Uh, We always do this. We we will have more news than Bruce. If you, well, no, I'm sure we will. I mean, the legal ramifications of what happened on Friday after the show um, will be downplayed by the corporation, I think. Uh, Yeah. And I think the letter of apologies that we've written Uh should handle anything. I
1: didn't know you had it in you for that.
0: The generous check to cover the damages I, I think mean, were nice.
1: That was next level yes. Hoffman.
0: And I just I mean, I really do apologize to that child. Uh,
1: what about what about the woman in the wheelchair?
0: Now listen, there are certain things I will apologize for. Okay. She was asking for it. All right. So let's just leave it at that. Anyway, we'll tell you when our next news and bruises coming up. Hey, at the bottom of this hour. Uh, John Michael Higgins is going to join us. The actor, uh, musician, uh, he has been in all kinds of stuff.
1: Great actor. Uh, I loved him in best of show, best, best of in show. show.
0: Um, he's now a mighty host- wind, all of those Christopher guest movies.
1: He's now hosting a, a new show on the game show network.
0: Yes. It debuts tonight. So John Michael Higgins is going to join us in the next segment. I'm going to ask him how that.
1: you can get into this business. <laughs> what business? A game show host business. I don't know if I can now that I was on a game show. I'm sure we could work around that. I'm sure. All
0: right. Hey, we've been talking about the uh, the families being separated at the border, and there are a few things to keep in mind about this. Um, first of all, th- this is not a new policy. It d- it does take on new importance because of the zero tolerance uh, directive that came down from uh, the Justice Department back in April, and it also takes on new importance because of the discussion of immigration bills that are currently being worked on. By Republicans um, and the President, if you remember, on Friday he said he wouldn't sign the two bills that are being worked on, and then the White House said, "Well, he misunderstood the question or was confused, and he would support the two that are being worked on." There are there are two different versions of them, and w- one of them would do well. I should say both of them would do very little for Democrats. The, neither one of them has anything in there that the Democrats would like, except except. It does allow for DREAMers to apply for legalist status in the United States. One of them would actually allow many DREAMers to ultimately apply for green cards as well and make them eligible for citizenship. Both of the bills do make cuts to legal immigration. Among other things, they would uh, eliminate diversity visa lotteries. Uh, and some forms of family-based immigration, Democrats have said that if that's in there, that's never going to—it's never going to pass. Both,
1: both of these, by the way, would tighten the asylum standards and make it much easier for our government to get rid of those people, to detain and deport them quickly. Democrats also hate that.
0: Yeah, and there is at least one provision to fund the wall 25 billion dollars which is not enough to build the wall but but 25 billion dollars and the way it's the The, weirdest
1: they have to address the family separation issue and neither of these bills does and some republicans will say well one of them's a compromise bill that does address it it absolutely does not that needs to be number one priority because it is a really bad look for the country yeah
0: it's got it has to be clear they've got to come up with a clear policy on this and not just say it addresses it because like you said it, it kind of skirts around the issue. The one that um, the one that we've been looking at, the one bill that looks like it's got the most support that was worked out between House Republicans and the White House, does not outlaw family separation. And I, the thing is, I don't think you could. I, uh, let me. You. I don't think you should outlaw family separation, but you can't use it uh, carte blanche like they have been. It does not stop the administration from choosing to prosecute asylum seekers who come to the U.S. In between these ports of entry, in between the official border crossings. If you're out in the middle of the desert and this you know, you get picked up by border patrol, that's not the place that you claim asylum. That's not that's not how you do it. So it doesn't even force the government not to separate the parents who do present themselves legally for asylum from their kids because they still have to be processed. All of these loopholes, these things all have to be fixed. They must be fixed, or else you're gonna see this this continue to fester and and you're going to see more and more images of you know overcrowded areas overcrowded facilities i guess along the border that are just hamstrung by all of this
1: the reporters uh, reporting corps got into ursula which is a facility that the department of homeland security runs and i think that's so interesting ursula the villain who stole ariel's voice (laughs) Right. It's just kind of apropos here. Um, They're saying that Ursula is the epicenter of the Trump administration's policy. Uh, And this is written by NBC News. Again, it is a directive of the Trump administration that started on May 7th, the zero tolerance policy. Since May 7th, a total of about twelve hundred children have been taken away from their mothers and fathers in the South Texas Rio Grande Valley sector. Um, NBC News was part of a big group that went behind Ursula's highly secured doors yesterday to see firsthand. Um, again, this facility has been open for a long time, multiple presidential administrations. But the new zero tolerance policy directive has this place a little packed, more packed than usual. No one of any age should be kept in one of these process, uh, processing centers longer than 72 hours. That's the policy. But because of the backlog that the zero tolerance policy directive has has caused, uh, hundreds of minors are being forced to stay past that limit.
0: Um, this is not a prison camp. Uh, we got to remember that as well. These are these are uh, usually I don't want to say well appointed because that makes it sound like it's a hotel or a resort, and that's not the no, case. No, they they're,
1: they're they're using mylar blankets instead of real blankets well, like they're using but those the, are the,
0: those are the temporary places if they're moved into a more they're used yeah they're, but, the they're the but the temporary but the
1: temporary places are becoming not temporary right you know they're only supposed to be there for three days even if it's three days you wouldn't want your kids uh in in clays, uh, enclosed in a mylar freaking blanket no because
0: just i didn't think they made mylar anymore
1: it's for marathon runners after it's you, for get marathon you're done. runners, yeah, haven't you seen people that finish the marathon with <laughs> oh, yes. those mylar blankets on? <laughs> yes, that's what the kids are sleeping with.
0: Well, I don't know. The, the, someone's got to do something, and the idea that that Congress has this completely right now—it's completely on Congress's plate. It's it's up to them to figure something out. At least get some sort of public policy out.
1: There. You printed out this Department of Homeland Security flyer that is given to parents once they are taken into custody yeah, and it's pretty terrifying to think about step one you're currently in the custody of the u.s department of homeland security customs and border protection you've been charged with illegal entry into the united states step two is uh you'll you'll go before a judge within the next two days about this and step three is how do i locate my children yeah
0: because they explain while you're being <laughs> processed your child or children will be transferred to health and human services, uh, where your child will be held in a temporary child shelter or hosted by a foster family, etc. DHS and HHS can take steps to facilitate reunification with your children. Hey, here's another thing: if you're so moved by this and you're so moved by kids being uh, separated from their families, um, you can you can sign up to become a foster family and help care for these kids outside of these shelters. That, oh, you that, can absolutely. Uh, I mean, you got to go through the process. It's not just you just you don't just get to walk in and say, "I'll take a kid." But uh, if, if this moves you to the point of actual action, that's one of the steps that can be taken. All right. We come back. John Michael Higgins is going to join us, host of a new uh, game show network show called America Says.
1: I'm excited for this. <laughs> I love it when we have special guests. It's
0: Monday. We should have guests every Monday.
1: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We keep on running,
3: running through
0: This uh, Monday, it's June 18th. Uh, Today also marks the premiere of a new show on the Game Show Network called America Says. And uh, it is hosted by the one and only John Michael Higgins who joins us. Uh, Prefer Michael? I actually go by Michael. Michael. You you can call me whatever you like.
4: Can we call
1: you uh, Mike? Yeah. A big Mike, President Higgins, M dog, M dog, (laughs) M dog. Let's do
4: it. Let's do M dog for a while. Uh, I
1: fell in love with you first. Uh, Just
4: stop right there, and that's all I need. Yeah. Thanks. This has been so fun, guys. Twenty
1: years ago, a best in show.
4: Yeah. Paging Dr. Freud. Twenty years ago.
1: You know what? I I did an
4: interview. I hate to tell you, you're not the only interview I'm doing today. Why?
1: You didn't need to tell us that. I'm so sorry, I,
4: I did one other. And they, they the guy led with some article that's out there that today that uh, in Rolling Stone or something that says uh, that it chose Best in Show is not one of the the funniest movie of all time. Yeah, really? I think so. You could try. I mean, they said it, it's been mentioned to me twice already.
1: Your lines in that movie were, I think, the funny i mean there's a lot of funny things about that movie it's really the gift that keeps on giving if you've never seen best in show or if you've seen it 19 times it's always good for another watch you can
4: always find something in it yeah that you haven't seen before yeah oh, did
1: you i mean i feel like those lines were did you come up with some of that yeah. stuff yeah all of it all of it I, I, sure okay i had a feeling
4: yeah chris christopher guest you know he's uh some uh, he's a mad genius obviously of some sort um and he invented this format but a lot of the format is he comes up with the story and the characters and stuff but then we're really on our own he just throws us out there and i have a script in front of me that says like scene 67 uh, interior hotel lobby scott and stefan check into the hotel period
1: <laughs> and then you just and go. I'm like looking <laughs> on the
4: back of the page i'm like <laughs> that's it you know um and uh you know chris gets there he says don't don't go past the plant we can't see you if you do and Stay there, and Ed Begley will check you in. And and my feeling is like, listen, if I'm in a scene with Ed Begley and Michael McKean, I'm fine. Something, I, Whatever happens, maybe they feel the same way, and we're all just going to be in this together. And if it dies, it dies, and it works, it works. In a
0: situation like that, do you do 10, 12 takes of a scene, or do you just do one and say, you yeah. know what, that was it? And The latter. Like, uh, two, maybe. We'll, we'll do a run on it,
4: see what's there. Chris will step forward and say... You know, uh, get off of that thing about your mother. I'm not going to be able to use that here. But I do like that area you were in where you were talking about this. Go in there more. And then he quickly, we do another take. He'll go in closer on little things. Again, it's impossible to edit these things because they're improvised. And then he'll have a picture of my hand signing the guest registry or, you know, just to clean up the scene. And then we're done. That's it. Moving on. You know,
1: that's what I think makes that movie so magical. Yeah, because there was so much improv.
4: I'm telling you, it's a it's an ingenious format because you do understand as an audience member that something is happening like there. We're in danger here because no one is quite sure what's going to happen next. And you watch a regular comedy and it's like it's it's as tight as a drum. It's been tested before audiences. They've they've had a thousand people read the script. This is like good luck. And the audience knows it. (laughs) And they respond to it. They like it. They like, that's me. I'm in
0: danger, too. You know. Um, my daughter, totally unprompted last night, was saying, hey, uh, do you know John Smith from, from Pitch Perfect? And I said, do you mean Michael Higgins? And she said, yeah. And she was, I don't remember what her, she was saying something about one of the lines that you delivered in one of the movies. One of her favorite movies, mm-hmm. the Pitch Perfect movies. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't remember what line it was because I was all, I was just blanked with, I'm going to drop such knowledge on my don't, my own daughter, <laughs> and for the first time ever in her 15 and a half years, she's going to be impressed with her dad, I said, Michael Higgins is coming into the studio tomorrow. Oh. And baby. she lost her mind. Oh, I'm, I wish she were here.
4: You provided that moment for
1: Gary on Father's Day. Yes. Like you Thank made you that magical that. moment happen between that. he and his daughter.
4: You're welcome. I, on Father's Day, when I said, hey, kids, I was in Pitch Perfect. They're like, Get out of
0: my way. I'm doing something, you know that. Uh since 1985, 86 basically, um you have been, you have appeared in uh it seems like an average of about 10 movies a year, not counting TV stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a busy busy career. It it has been
4: it has been a busy career. It's been very uh, I'm a character Right. So I appear in a lot of different things and different characters and stuff. But honestly, if you walk down the street with me, you'd quickly see almost everybody who passes has clocked me. They're like, oh, that well, he's, uh, er, right. he's either my dentist or a guy I went to a thing with or he's, uh, no, 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 he's in that movie. What's that? And then literally, I'm hearing them yell at each other 20 feet behind me now as we passed each other.
1: He was in no 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 no. That was the no no no. He was in. You're like I was in a mall guy. I'm, yes. I'm in a
4: mall. Yeah. They don't yes. know. My, they don't know my name. <laughs> they don't know. All they know is that I'm the guy in. I'm that guy in whatever that thing was.
0: That's who I am. Uh, <laughs> the the stories though. I mean, the, I had a, just finished a a book, and I wanted to ask you this. I don't know if you had any relationship with Robin Williams. I know that you were in bicentennial man. I, yeah, I I worked with him. Um, I just finished the book about it was an or a biography of his, and it was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the way through, and I know that you you know your time with him was was much earlier than than the time that he started showing signs mm-hmm. of, of illness and stuff. Um, but that is that a thing that 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 gripped you like it gripped everybody else, especially because uh, you had worked with him.
4: Absolutely, you know. Uh, Robin, obviously, a very special uh, case, you know, obscenely uh, uh, talented and um, uh, so f- uh, fertile. You know, his, uh, his brain worked in such as, like, as far-reaching, fertile, and, like, constantly producing material. Um, a, my experience with comedians and people like that is, you know, there's always a dark strain in, in, a, in a good comic there's that's sort of where their juice comes from, and it's where the funny is, frankly, it's terrible to say, but it's true. It's where all that danger is, you know, and that makes people get excited and laugh. Robin, though, I would have to say, I did a film with him. I can't remember when it was it was a long time ago. um so kind, so dear, he was like a dear, sweet man, you know, and whatever demons he had. He didn't visit them on us, you know what I mean. He was nothing but gentlemanly, generous, and listened carefully to everything you said. A real delight, and um, you, ha- I, oh, I had the sense that there was delicacy, you know, in all that, and I think it's in his work too. It's it's beautiful work, you know. You can see it. Um, it was a great pleasure to, to work with him, and it's a terrible tragedy, you know, that he was suffering so much and it had to end. For him uh, in such a way. But um, I count it as a great um, honor of my life to have been associated with him in any way. Yeah. It was lovely.
1: That's really well, well that put that he me. has a that. But he did seem delicate. You know, yeah. when you think about it. and so many creative people are mm. that way. Yeah, um, Gary's like that. You know, I, I, I got to be really right careful away. around very him. Very delicate. delicate. Very delicate. Very like a, ah, like a we broke Gary. beautiful flower. We
4: just broke him. Um, coming
1: up, let's talk about America Says. <laughs> I'm excited about this game show. We were watching some some of the footage that we were not supposed to have, but we found it. Ooh. And uh, very dangerous. we were watching it, th- very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, <laughs> watching <laughs> it in the office this morning. It's good stuff. We'll talk about it when we come back. Uh,
0: we are also on uh, Facebook Live. If you want to see what's going on in the studio, you can just check it out uh, on Facebook. Go to Gary and Shannon page, and you'll see the uh, the link for the video there. We're talking with Michael Higgins. We'll come back in just a couple of minutes.
1: So Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Breakfast <by>.
0: porn. <laughs> Two men over easy, I think is what. <laughs> oh, I,
1: boy. I saw that one. Oh, that's uh, Yeah. Breakfast there's porn.
4: a lot of
0: jokes available.
4: <laughs>
1: we're we're talking to Michael Higgins. We will
4: not be saying any of them. Am, is, are, we,
1: are we in the air now? now, now
4: are. Are. are the audience? We are in the uh, air. We are in, are we in the air?
1: Hey, look down there. <laughs> it's <Olive> Avenue. <laughs> Michael uh, Higgins is host of the new Game Show Network. Uh, show America Says. We're
0: also on Facebook Live if you want to watch us. Uh, Gary and Shannon, you can see what's going on in the studio. Uh, tell us about the show. It debuts today, actually. It, uh, yes,
4: today in a few hours. Uh, I think it's uh, five, uh, f- uh, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. And yeah, so it'll be uh, 5 o'clock. Whatever the math Whatever is. that. Yeah. I don't, don't ask hard questions. Yeah, with the math. 5 Look at me. o'clock Eastern Time. O'clock? <laughs> 2 o'clock the correct time. Is that, is, I don't know. Yeah. I, the show's. Uh, uh, Check your local list. Isn't that exactly. the phrase? Yes. All right, there you go. <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's get back to the show. It's a GSN show, Game Show Network. It's um, It'll remind you of a lot of like great old game shows that you kind of grew up with and enjoy. It certainly did me. Uh, it's a survey show like Family Feud. We ask America to answer a question. In this case, it's a fill-in-the-blank question, more like Match Game and Family Feud. And then our contestants have, like, not nearly enough time to come up with the answer, and it's very funny because they say outrageous things. Got to have the pressure
0: because with the pressure comes the ridiculous answers. Uh,
4: Yeah, and boy, they can say them too. I tell you, I've spent a lot of my career improvising, and uh, nobody is funnier than a real person under pressure. (laughs)
1: Do they ever, the, the producers or whatever, have to pull you back? Uh, Is there any because game shows are kind of buttoned up and yeah,
4: yeah, you know, uh, it's taped, thankfully, so that, you know, if if something just goes off the rails, you know, it's just it's too crazy or too blue or something like that. Then we can fix it and all that stuff. But you want to fix it because the show it's it has to maintain this quality of fun, which it really generates on its own. We don't really
0: have to do much. It's a it plays like a house on fire. And it's really fun. Do you ever find yourself, I mean, just because of your your um, improv muscles are probably yeah. finely tuned, that you run into a situation where somebody tees you up for what would be a great line, but you know it would never, ever make broadcast. Many times. And every day, <laughs> if it's toward the end of the day... I'll go ahead and say it,
4: <laughs> and I'll say, uh, you know, tell the audience we'll will all have a big laugh, that and I'll say, way, don't say worry about audience, it; it'll go away.
0: That was for you guys. That was yeah. for no you. No one else is going to see. that. Yeah,
4: that happens often in any taped show, you yeah. know, even in yours. Well, no. Well,
3: you know, we we can we get like away with quite a
1: bit. You, you know, can? I I want you to feel free right now to say whatever you want. Forget it. I you know, have you bosses. You can say you can, can say ass if you want. <laughs> I'm not saying that word. Okay. I just wanted you to know that you could.
4: <laughs> I'm thinking about that word, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So the improv thing is it's interesting. I um, it it really has brought me doing this show. Uh, America says has really brought home a very vital. Uh, thing about improv that I have forgotten i've done so much improv but that the great uh the sweet spot for improvising if you're if you're a uh, an improviser is uh, listening so if i actually just tune right in to these contestants and try to sop up whatever is coming from them i will say something clever and it's uh it's a great lesson to be reminded of that if I stand up there and I'm trying to think of jokes, eventually I'll burn out like a match. And uh, it, 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 the, all the material is in the contestants. You
1: play with the people, totally. Yeah.
4: And, they, and frankly, it's all on them. They're the ones who say the funny things. I just turn to the camera and cock my eyebrow after right. they say it. I get the laugh. They did the work. So you know. Uh,
0: but they they are they're great. The contestants. They really make me laugh. You know? What was your you mentioned just that this kind of reminds you of some of the older game shows. What was your favorite growing up? Uh, I really liked I, I I you know I have to say I was I was attracted to
4: those hosts too. Here I am now a game show host, but I remember way back then I was thinking like uh, Gene Roddenberry and Ted uh, not Gene Roddenberry, he Star Star Trek right. uh, Gene Rayburn <laughs> right. um, and uh, Ted Lang, who who was the dating game and Bob Eubanks Newlywed Game. Um, all those guys were interesting to me. And it's so like I kept thinking as a child, I was like, I could do that. I could do that. I didn't end up doing it. I became an actor, you know. But here it is, you know, and I'm doing it. So I really do admire. It doesn't look like they're doing much. But if you watch somebody like Bob Eubanks carefully, he's really working. You know, there's a lot going on, you know, for him. Yeah. Because uh, he's hearing everything. And he's making choices. He's winnowing out. He's going to find just the right wheat in the chaff. And then hit the audience, you know, turn to his camera and raise his eyebrow. (laughs) Bang! Yeah, there's There's, a lot
1: of managing that goes on with those and managing personalities Mm. and finding the way that they can all fit together and make for good entertainment. I never thought about how much goes into hosting a game show. I'd like to get Gary into game show hosting. (laughs) I think he has the right hair for it.
4: Totally. Hair. Great, great hair. Thank you.
1: Good game show host hair. You have to get
4: rid of the glasses. Oh, really? No, take them off. Yeah. Is
0: that better? I can't yeah,
4: put him can't back. Put right? on. He immediately crossed his eyes like an
0: old vaudeville, old vaudeville trick. Uh, <laughs> I can see fine. Bang hits the wall. Um, is there any a, a pitch perfect four coming? My daughter wants me to ask.
4: Oh God, only
0: knows. I don't know. You know what? <laughs> it's one of these franchises.
4: You know what? There will be if the last one made money. I think it did. Yeah, it Did. As far as I know, it did. Yeah. So um,
0: you know. I hope they call me again. They really those are improvised too. For what, but let me ask you because uh, I know you have a musical background as mm-hmm. well. Um was was all of that real singing? Yeah, in some form or another, like the you know, it's a movie that's
4: an edited movie, so we we have to pre-record in order to sure. You know. But the singers are singing and and um it's, uh yeah, it's all real as far as, I mean, I don't, I can't say that the, that the lot those performances you see on film are live performances, which they're not, right. but, but they're playback performances. Somebody made the music at would, would you
1: like to sing something right now? Yeah,
4: I'll sing anything you want. No, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> I'm not. I'll have, sing for your daughter, privately, on the phone. Okay. Do that's you right.
1: have a favorite project?
4: Yeah, you know, well, hold on. You may have noticed. They never asked me to sing in those
1: movies. Well, I was going to ask you. No, I
0: want, they're I want not interested. The, the fourth are. iteration of we the are. movie yeah. has got to be
4: you, you and Elizabeth singing. That's seeing.
0: what I said. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I actually,
4: okay. one of the movies, I can't remember which one. Having never seen any of them, one of them, one of them had Liz and I singing the Universal theme over the over the the logo oh, in the beginning. Oh really? You remember, you know, the Universal thing yeah. where you see the world yeah. spinning and all, that, and then that's us, me and Liz, oh, going bump 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 bump, you know, going like that. I can't remember which one. Which one I was in? That's um, funny. I'll have to check it out. That's very yeah. Cool. I need to
1: rewatch those. It's been a while. Michael, um, thank you
0: for coming
4: in today. Yeah, we really appreciate really it. Really
1: quick, do you have a favorite project or a favorite movie or show or that something? I've done? Yeah, or is it like picking between children?
4: Um, do you have a favorite child? Really, that's not is that that a a hard as hard I have a lot of not favorite children. Okay, uh, <laughs> plenty of them. Actually, you know what? As a as a rule, the things that I really really enjoyed. <laughs> went right into the toilet. No one cared, and they hated them. And basically, I was wrong, you know. No. And often, they're in the business, you know, it's like, it's so funny on the set, and it's not funny in the... In the uh, and then, it's terrible on the set. God, I'd love to see funny. that. The stuff yeah. that
1: ended up in the toilet. Yeah.
4: Oh, gosh, there's so many, so many. But you know what? I, I have to say um, that the B- Besson show was incredibly fun to do, and I love those people, and we all have a good time. And frankly, I'm... Really enjoying being a game show host. I love this show, Erica says. It's it really makes me laugh. It amuses me endlessly, and it's, it's hard to do. And it's if you time. have
0: fun, I think that that comes thought, across. Thought,
1: That's all it is. You know what I thought he was just going to say? I really enjoyed this show. This show. No, no. This show. And then, is and then it didn't absolutely
4: happen. one of my worst memories.
0: Yep. Already. More and I have, I'm still sitting here.
2: Thank you, Michael.
0: You're Thank welcome. You. America says Game Show Network. Uh, check your local listings, but it uh, should be on this afternoon at some point. Thank you
1: again. More Thanks. of Michael's worst memory when yeah. we come back.
3: Oh, it's Saturday night.
1: It fun.
0: He also, uh, he left a message for my daughter. <laughs> oh, that was funny. She didn't answer the phone, so he left her a message. So, yes, I am the coolest dad now, <clears throat> at least for the next maybe two hours or so. And then it'll just wear off. Um, all right. The uh, the bottom of this hour, we're going to get into this story about whether or not Eric Garcetti is capable of sexually harassing people. It's weird, isn't it? This. But the mayor's office isn't talking about this, uh, what has been described as inappropriate behavior, despite
1: I, claiming
0: transparency. I
1: covered Eric Garcetti when he was city council president uh, numerous times. He's the last person. I say what you will about Eric Garcetti, but he, a groper he is not. He is uh, very above above board with that kind of stuff. It's asinine. But you know what? It, it's we're, we're starting to take into account asinine things as harassment right. or um, inappropriate behavior. I think it's just gone out of control all right it's called a unicorn in the silicon valley because it's so rare a billion dollar startup company and how apropos is unicorn when it comes to theranos and elizabeth holmes the founder of theranos all right. it, because it is magical thinking there's no such thing as what she was selling
0: i will be honest with you when i saw this headline originally last friday uh dealing with this this story I was thinking of the Avengers.
1: I think a lot of people were. That's Thanos. This is Theranos. Which is funny. Theranos has been big news in Silicon Valley for a handful of years. I believe 2014 is when the name started circulating. Elizabeth Holmes, a very driven woman. At 19 years old, she drops out of Stanford to start this startup. If she is a con woman or if she just bought into her own hype, that is the question before everybody, she, by the way, you, you mentioned last Friday, the headlines last Friday was when she was indicted on in criminal charges of wire fraud by a judge. She could be facing decades in prison. She was at once seen as this rising star in Silicon Valley, one of the world's richest women. She was able to get some of the biggest, most most wealthiest names to sit on her Theranos board. Theranos, by the way, said it could take a few drops of blood from a simple finger prick to detect everything from HIV to diabetes. This was pri- a proprietary technology. They had this, this magical blood testing machine, and it was able to analyze these very small quantities of blood. This would change the way blood tests are done. It would make blood testing cheaper. Theranos partnered with Walgreens at, at one time. They were able to lure venture capitalists like Tim Draper, the guy who's putting millions of dollars and splitting up California into three pieces. Don Lucas, a former neighbor of hers who was an early investor in Oracle. David Boies, the, the big attorney. He sat on her board. So did, by the way, Jim Mad Dog Mattis, George Schultz, Henry Kissinger, Wow. This young woman was able to sell, sell, sell this product. Unfortunately, the sales pitch was built on lies.
0: The, there was one journalist uh, who eventually went after and is now being credited with taking down uh, Elizabeth Holmes. John Car- Carreyrou. John Carreyrou. And he actually has a book coming out, which already has been optioned into a movie, and I think Jennifer Lawrence is going to play uh, Elizabeth Holmes. But the first story that John Carreyrou reported about this Theranos blood testing machine uh, said that it had some significant accuracy issues and had been used for only 15 out of the claimed 240 tests that it would perform. And then the subsequent stories that Carreyrou was able to put out revealed the machines almost never worked they would often malfunction that would lead to inaccurate diagnoses uh everyone saw this saw blood in the water and bailed on elizabeth holmes
1: one of the men who was well it was pretty much her right hand man this guy his name is ramash sunny balwani he's a lot older than elizabeth holmes but became kind of like uh, her number two. She met him when he was uh, teaching at, at Berkeley and or actually he was going to school at Berkeley, I believe, getting his MBA. And they met when she was there on like a high school program. Anyway, that's where that relationship began. And he took over when it when it began day-to-day operations of Theranos. He was the company president. This guy had he had an MBA. But he had no training in biological sciences, medical devices, and he often just talked straight out of his ass. Um, (laughs) He had a habit of repeating technical terms he heard others using. So, for instance, during a meeting with the engineering team, he latched on to this term end effector, which means the the claws at the end of a robotic arm, end effector, except he didn't hear end effector. He heard endo factor. So the rest of the meeting, he kept (laughs) <laughs> saying endofactors, endofactors, endofactors. He calls a meeting the next two weeks, uh two weeks later with the engineers, and the, the PowerPoint presentation is called Endofactors Update. I mean, this guy was just selling this false bill of goods, including himself. And those two were said their relationship was said to to evolve into a romantic one. They didn't I, I have a really hard time believing that this woman was buying into her own hype. I think they knew that they were defrauding people from the beginning. And a lot of this will uh, be played out probably in the courts. Paul Sappho is a technology consult consultant. He's been doing this a very long time. He says, there's one cardinal rule in Silicon Valley that most people never realize. And this is never, ever breathe your own exhaust. He said, this is someone who is so deeply self-deluded by her optimism and faith in herself. The delusion is contagious. You would have to be um, a little bit nuts, though, to believe in something that you haven't seen the results of. You know, you've got this blood testing machine. You know what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't do that. Anyway.
0: Well, what I found interesting is. One of her relatives asked her when she was a little kid what she wanted to be when she grew up.
1: We'll do that when we come back because that is is telling. It is telling, yeah.
0: Gary and Shannon, will continue. We're talking about Elizabeth Holmes, the CEO of Theranos. More on that when we come back. Gary and Shannon
1: you ever uh, get revenge on your wife with fart spray?
0: Uh, does a bear poop in the woods? Yes. With fart spray? No. Well, then I think you have the answer.
1: Uh, okay. We're talking about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, the 19-year-old who dropped out of Stanford to start this blood-testing startup. People who have met her describe her as... Charming, captivating, modeled herself on Steve Jobs down to that simple uniform of a black turtleneck and pants. And they say she sold her vision masterfully. She spoke in a voice that was so deep it would take people by surprise. That
0: was a funny line. That's just weird to me.
1: That may she, maybe she intentionally lowered it by a couple octaves. God bless you. I'm
0: allergic to federal indictments, but she... And the former president of Theranos indicted just a few days ago on charges of defrauding investors out of hundreds of millions of dollars as well as deceiving patients, doctors uh, in the in the hundreds. I mean, federal prosecution of a technology startup is rare, especially in Silicon Valley. But th- we're talking about one that was valued at $9 billion just a few years ago. It
1: looks like people started getting suspicious, and that included the circle of journalists. Wall Street Journal reporter John Kerry Rue was very suspicious. He is the author now of Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies, in a Silicon Valley startup. And it was him complete, completely beating the pavement, trying to to get the details of what was going on inside Theranos that led to her downfall, led to criminal charges.
0: And he describes in a, a New York Magazine article, one of the people, uh, Yashir Ali, actually talked with Kararu. He describes serious... Uh, I don't know if threat is the right way to put it, but at least threatening behavior on the part of Theranos, following him, um, uh, threatening the sources that he had from within the company or people who had knowledge of the company, uh, that they were going to be sued or potentially prosecuted for leaking information. I mean, it was this was a serious, serious thing. This wasn't just a, a you know reporter who stumbles on a, a couple of bad internal memos and then releases them in this uh, in an article. This was a serious thing. They were going after this guy.
1: There was something about someone's mother, too. I forget. I, I did the deep dive on this New York Magazine story uh, over the weekend. But something about uh, he, he met with with a, a family member, one of Elizabeth Holmes' family members, I think a sister or something. And he's trying to find out more dirt. And the sister then gets an email from the mother saying, like, thank you for your supporting the family. And right. the mother never had written that email. I mean, this is going to be a great movie, but one of her quotes from when she was a little girl oh, is, is incredibly telling. When,
0: when she was nine or 10 years old, one of her relatives asks her, what do you want to do when you grow up?
1: And she replies, I want to be a billionaire.
0: Wouldn't you rather be president?
1: No, the president will marry me because I'll have a billion dollars.
0: <laughs> that's Come on, if you're 9 or 10 years old, that's, that's a weirdly advanced way of thinking.
1: Yes. It conniving also. Charting. Strategy. This was somebody who I don't believe was breathing her own exhaust, getting so excited by this thing that she created that she uh, believed that it was successful or that it was even working. I think she's a classic con artist. Well,
0: I was going to say that... It- It's not that she believed her product. She believed that she could sell that product. Yes. It's not that she was fully engulfed in the world of, you know, biotechnology and she was going to change medical science.
1: This is classic psychopath stuff. Uh, Caru told the reporter with the New York magazine Theranos was a combination of fraud with hubris mixed with incompetence. Some part of Sonny and Elizabeth, I believe, knew they were committing fraud, knew they were lying to investors, to a lot of people. But part of them also were convinced that the Theranos technology that they were working on, which they knew was still a work in progress, that it was actually revolutionary, that it was actually great. There's one thing to sell hope and to sell uh, technological advances for in the future. You know, it, we have this technology and one day it's going to be great. We're going to have these advances and then we'll be able to test blood this way. It'll be cheaper. It'll be great. But they were telling people that this technology was already being used by the troops in Afghanistan. You know, you don't come up with the fantastical lies like that if you're just selling it on optimism. That makes you a fraudster.
0: Uh, Kararu doesn't blame other reporters because people like uh, Fortune magazine, Inc., they published some glowing profiles of this Elizabeth Holmes. That
1: is a PR machine right there. Yeah. You know, she was on every magazine cover for like a year and a half. She's a
0: pretty blonde woman, which you don't see normally at the startup of a tech company in Silicon Valley. So she had that going for her. I mean, she was sort of, she stood out in a crowd. And yes, she wore black turtlenecks, like you said, just like Steve Jobs did. But Kara uh, says, listen, you could make a case that maybe they, being these other reporters who were doing these glowing reviews of her, Maybe they should have done some more reporting beyond just interviewing her and her immediate entourage. But how much is a writer reporter to blame when the subject is just bald face lying to them? And I mean, granted, you would have to if you were doing a story about this great new changing, you know, world changing product, you'd want to do some research into the product and see if, in fact, it works, which it never did. But uh, I guess they didn't. So it'll be interesting. I think she's going gonna to go away for a very long time. But you're right. This would make and will, when it comes out, make a fantastic movie.
1: And up until two weeks ago, she was still luring investors for a new startup in Silicon Valley. <laughs> she was still at it. Wow. Coming up next, Eric Garcetti, an inappropriate behavior in his office. Good Lord. I'm, I I read this article this morning. I said, I'm going to stop talking at work. I mean, you know, except for when we're on the radio. <laughs> Thank
0: goodness. And everybody said,
1: Thank the Lord.
0: Not about you not talking, that's not what I meant. That came out wrong. I apologize.
1: So why
4: don't you just meet me in the middle? In the middle. Baby.
5: Why don't you just meet me in the middle?
0: Gary and Shannon. i hey, A little bit later in the, in the, the show. Middle. We're going to talk more about uh,
3: Space
0: Force, the president's announcement again today. He's done this before, but the announcement that he wants to uh, direct the Department of Defense to open up a whole new branch of the military and call it the Space Force, Uh, and how just like Plessy versus Ferguson, it will be separate but equal to the Air Force, which I think
1: separate but equal. i don't think he should have used it's that it's an important term. phrase yes. in american history right but uh, yeah
0: <laughs> but That's... it also described um regimented uh government advocated racism mhm mm-hmm. yeah so somebody did ask uh, i think on in emails. his mind
1: i think in his mind in his memory separate equal, but equal is a good thing like he he read about brown versus board of education but didn't get to plessy versus ferguson right you know what I mean? Like yes. separate but equal sounded good at the time. Like, oh, okay. And then when you got into it and you realized that it was government, oh. uh, you know, mandated racism, that's when you know. But you had to read the whole chapter. You know, yeah. you had you couldn't just stop it. You couldn't just. Brown v. Board of Education.
0: That's what happens when someone else highlights your history book yes. before you get it. Right. You always got to go for the ones that aren't highlighted. It's
1: the yet. danger of the cliff notes. <laughs>
0: All right, um, Mayor Garcetti, uh, Eric Garcetti, quickly moved to address sexual harassment at City Hall back when the whole Harvey Weinstein stuff was was breaking out last fall. Among other things, he demanded that there be new reporting protocols. He helped put up a website for the city for city workers to lodge allegations. There was a panel at the mayor's official residence there at Getty House on sexual harassment and assault. Yonner. Um, And at the same time, there have been zero official details provided about some inappropriate behavior that was reported by staff members in the mayor's office.
1: The L.A. Times first asked the mayor's spokesman in January if any staffers working in Garcetti's office have complained to supervisors about sexual harassment Harassment or hostility. And the spokesman at the time says there have been a few incidents of inappropriate behavior reported to supervisors and they were each handled appropriately, but would not answer questions beyond that statement, would not detail the number of reports or what they entailed.
0: And he was also very tight lipped about whether or not the mayor was ever told about the misconduct. In April, just a couple months ago, Mayor Garcetti said he didn't know of any incidents that had occurred in his office uh, or whether or not they had had to deal with any harassment allegations. And he says, I don't think any office is ever immune. I mean, I think jokes are told things happen. People are survived. People are survivors. But the idea that the mayor's office is so transparent about this, but then not getting into details about the allegations that have been complained about or the, the incidents that have been complained about. Um, the mayor's office should explain what it considers inappropriate behavior and i think it's incumbent upon the people of the city of la or i shouldn't say it's not incumbent upon them it's it's the right of the city of the people of the city of la to know how the mayor's office handles these reports of inappropriate behavior but let me let me just boil this down here
1: people do you, are is, survivors you
0: think <laughs> Do you think Eric Garcetti is the guy who's telling those jokes and making those inappropriate comments? I don't think
1: he has it in him to make a lewd joke, like the kind that you throw around the office.
0: Me? That's just not his personality. Can we
1: talk really quickly about Eric Garcetti's hyperbole? Because I don't think he gets handsy, but he does overreach when it comes to the words he uses. Like when he was talking about criminals doing their time and he said that we needed to thank them for their service right and when he's talking about inappropriate conversations in the office and that people are survivors because of them is this also the guy that will go straight to like a hitler reference or something because it seems like he overreaches a little bit when he's trying to explain the big
0: hammer when he doesn't need to right yeah i don't know i (laughs) but it is a it is a problem that he's had before, I guess. But it's also the one it, – It's the, here's the thing about Eric Garcetti. If you were to talk about previous administrations in City Hall, in L.A. City Hall, you could imagine some of this stuff happening. Not to name names.
1: Oh, right. Not to say Villaraigosa.
0: Oh, no. I'm And I'm not even suggesting that, that he was the mayor. But
2: –
1: I, I mean, uh, I'm not going to say Villaraigosa when I say wandering eyes. <laughs> <laughs> But we know what you mean. But it's pretty odd. You know how when you meet a guy, ladies, 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 you know those guys that like you're talking to them and their eyes are looking right at your boobs or your butt and they don't even try to like uh, hide it.
0: Can I ask you a hypothetical situation? Mm -hmm. If you were ever, if you ever worked as a reporter. I think
1: you know the answer to the question.
0: And if you ever were in City Hall or at an event that was mm-hmm. – um, that included someone like a mayor of Someone you, like him. It, right. Yeah. Not him, but I mean someone like him. And and not I, necessarily I, you, but someone like you. I
1: think it's safe to say that somebody like Villaraigosa appreciates ladies. <laughs> I think that's what I'll say there. <laughs>
0: Sounds like something my mother would say about a lesbian she remembered – From 1974. (laughs) You know, she was in the Coast Guard and liked ladies.
1: Um, I do now want to thank Eric Garcetti for giving us the verbiage that we can use when we finish conversations with Bill Handel. We survived that. (laughs) survivors. People, as soon as he leaves the office, we can just look at each other uh, with survivors. that with that look that people give when you've been through something together, when you've really survived through something together. And, and as Handel uh, and his Costco shoes go squeaking down the hallway, back to his office, we can just say, we survived.
0: And the unanswered questions of, what does he keep in the pockets of those cargo shorts?
1: Those, why are those are things, really large pockets. Well, why are they full? They, they look like full. they're full. Uh, well, doesn't he have a man satchel some days? And some days he has the pockets. So I think that everything in the man satchel on the cargo shorts days goes in the pockets. That would be where I'd put my money.
0: Well, we had to talk Blake and, uh, and producer Nick off of the ledge today mm-hmm. because Warner Brothers... The company that owns all the rights to the uh, the Harry Potter festivals. Warner Brothers is cracking down on those
1: things. So no more uh, yeah, so, cosplay?
0: Yeah, these guys are going to have to put their robes and wands away.
1: You guys can always play with your ropes and wands here. Ro- it's Ro- a robe, not a robe. rope. Oh, Number one. Ooh, man. Nick is
2: testing. I don't have a number two, but I'll think of one and well,
0: say it. Maybe after lunch.
1: Voldemort.
0: He, Voldemort. Whatever. I thought we're not supposed to say his name. That's, uh, that's, thank you. Prov- exactly. Yeah, I was trying to provoke him. Well, I was testing you, Shannon. <laughs> Gary H. Anna will continue in just a moment. How about? Almost lunchtime. We'll get into all of our uh, trending stories right at the top of the hour. Hey, uh, Warner Brothers is cracking down on all of you uh, Harry Potter lovers. And uh, I'm looking at you, Blake and Nick, because you guys are the the two that I know of who are just uh, ridiculously neck deep in all of this Harry Potter stuff.
1: When did you guys first uh, start getting into that? Severus, Uh, Snipe, Dumbledore, Snipe. Snipe.
0: Ten, eleven, twelve years yeah. old, maybe something like that. Yeah, when the books were coming out. Fourth grade, mm-hmm. elementary, third school. grade. Shannon, how many of the Harry Potter books have you read?
1: None, Gary.
0: Oh, oh. Uh, how many are there actually? There's seven, seven, and that doesn't include the. What are the Fantastic Beasts? That does not include that. Yeah, not, no. Those are not
4: books though, I don't think. They're just films. It also
2: doesn't include uh, the there's a play. A Cursed Child. Cursed Child. We yeah. just both read mm-hmm. that. That was a great one, actually. Pretty good. You, you laughed, but it was good.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm laughing because you guys You're nerds. But that's fine. Okay, Westworld. Now in this
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Robot. Hey, everybody watch your mouth. Ouch. Ouch.
0: Um uh the Warner Brothers studio has been cracking down on local Harry Potter fan festivals around the country, saying that they're trying to halt unauthorized commercial activity, including songs like this. I the
1: source of the ticking. It's a pipe bomb. Yeah.
0: I don't think that's canon. You don't think so? No. Well, uh, Philip Dawson uh, is a business district director at Chestnut Hill College. They host a Quidditch tournament every year. hmm Coincides with the annual Suburban Philadelphia Festival. And they do a lot of things like uh, meets and greets with Dumbledore.
1: Oh, Dumbledore's the good one. Voldemort's the bad one. Don't say his name. Right.
0: Um, You cannot also have the Defense Against the Dark Arts classes.
1: What's the dark arts?
0: That's black magic. That's bad stuff. Oh, Yeah, that's not good. That's
2: what Voldemort does.
1: It I thought you were not supposed to say his name. Well,
2: I think actually not saying his name gives him more power. It does give him more power. You're absolutely right. It so, adds to the fear and adds to the lore. It does. Oh,
1: so Voldemort, Voldemort, Voldemort.
2: They well, that not like don't get too. It's not like crazy. a Beetlejuice thing because yeah. well, <laughs> luckily it's not a Beetlejuice
0: thing. Not like the Grinch where his heart grew three sizes. No, Voldemort's always bad. Chestnut Hill College is not the only community that received cease and desist letters from Warner Brothers. There are Harry Potter festival directors from around the country, like Aurora, Illinois, home of Wayne's World, and Ithaca, New York. We're also told that these new guidelines would prohibit much of the Potter-themed activities. The company said Warners is always pleased to learn of the enthusiasm of Harry Potter fans but we are concerned when fan gatherings become a vehicle for unauthorized commercial activity. Would uh, would Blake and Nick, would you guys say that you have partaken in unauthorized slash illegal Harry Potter activities? I will plead the fifth.
1: Oh, what does that entail?
0: It entails...
1: You've much done much illegal nothing. Harry Potter activities?
0: Yes. Pleading the fifth? When, when Nick goes on his wizarding weekends... And wears his little scarf around his robe and his hat. The Is that choosing, a euphemism?
1: What's the oh, choosing hat? The border,
0: be- sorting hat. Sorting hat. Yep.
1: Oh, the sorting hat. That's when you learn what kind of personality. No, you are. No, it, well, no. What kind Which of house you go, go
2: into? Yeah. yeah. It tells you what house you're going into, kind of based on who you Your are. Your
1: different traits.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Slytherin.
1: I'm not a Slytherin. I, I, am, a sl-
2: I am a Slytherin, actually.
1: What are the other ones? uh,
2: You got Gryffindor, you got Slytherin, you got Ravenclaw, and you got Hufflepuff.
1: You're right, I am a Slytherin. Slytherin. They're kind of like the mean ones a little bit. Yeah, a
0: little bit. (laughs) They're smart, though. Thank you. Yeah, so compliment. Companies are always concerned about protecting the trademarks, according to a professor of intellectual property law at Temple University. And Warner Brothers is making this as a business decision to prevent these Harry Potter festivals from having any apparent association with them and to prevent any possible profiting off of the series.
1: I was listening to this podcast a while back about the Sorting Hat and, and the different houses.
0: I find that hard to believe.
1: And it was uh, it, it was detailing or profiling this woman who thought that she was a Dumbledore or whatever, a Slytherin <laughs> or one of those things. And then she realized she went somewhere to a festival and she realized that she was in another house. And it, like, completely screwed up her life. Like, it was, it completely <laughs> changed her identity because she grew up thinking she was one thing and then realized she was another thing.
2: Yeah, that happens. In a fict, I know a lot of people who won't take – there's a test on uh, Pottermore. That's, that's exactly And right. there's Pottermore, a lot of yeah. people yeah. who, took that who test. won't take it because mm-hmm. they're afraid of what it's going to say about them. Right. Yeah.
1: That's insane. So
2: basically if someone's like, oh, hey, I'm a Gryffindor, just don't believe them because more than likely they're not. They just wish they were. More like Gryffindor. Dork.
1: Right? Which one? Which one are you guys? I'm I got S- Gryffindor. Yeah, Slytherin. You actually took the test?
2: I did, and I, I was kind of hoping for not Gryffindor, but I got Gryffindor. Yeah, I'm Slytherin.
1: Did you take the test?
0: I
2: did.
1: I'm gonna take the test.
0: Oh my!
2: It but takes it, a little while. Yeah.
1: I got time. Ooh, we can
2: wand a
0: duel while. each other. I got a couple hours
1: left of the show. <laughs> did
0: you just say you could wand duel each other? Yeah. I saw that in a movie once in college. It is not what you think it is. No, it's magic. No, nope. it was magic. Definitely not magic. Magical wand duel. That is
2: Severus Snape.
1: Snape.
2: Snape. Severus.
3: Snape.
0: All right. When we come back,
2: Severus Snape. We'll get into all of our trending stories.
0: Severus Snape. Also, a guy who got back at his ex-wife with something called fart spray. There's a lot going on with that guy, and there are some big, big issues that he needs to work out. But, but I guess it worked. Drove his wife out of the out of the house. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment, right after. This.
1: A big money guy oh, from California.
2: Yeah.
1: He, uh, I think I think he lived in Laguna Beach. Well, he went through a bitter divorce. And you won't believe how bitter it got. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is, you can't make this stuff up. Sulfury. We'll be telling you all about that coming up next. Hey, what else is going
3: on? Time for What's Happening.
1: What's Space Force. Space Force. The president declaring today he will move to make a new branch of the military.
0: Yes, and I love it. It's called Space Force. Space Force. Space Force. It's not the first time we talked about it. This
1: is this is this is. What? I was trying to do sound effects. Oh, for I thought
0: you were stuttering.
1: <laughs> no, that was, uh, you know, like space music. Oh. Space Force.
0: Uh, this is not the first time he has talked about Space Force, but he did do so again today at the National Space Council meeting. Um, he floated the original idea way back in March saying that space is a war fighting domain just like the land, air, and sea. And as part of that announcement back in March, he put out this song. Space Force. Space
1: Force. Space Force. I love this thing. Space Force. Space, Force.
0: space Force. Uh, The Pentagon and the Air Force uh, have not... <laughs> Not commented yet.
1: Uh, the addition of a service branch would be the first in 71 years. The Air Force is the nation's youngest branch, was added shortly after World War II.
0: Uh, they're talking about this branch's relationship to the Air Force would be similar to the Marine Corps tie to the Navy. So, uh, somewhat, Brian suits would be better at describing the relationship between the Marines and the Navy, but this is a... Uh, He said it would be separate but equal, which is probably not the right term and brings with it a load of um, racial connotations. But I believe that Space Force would be open to black astronauts as well. Uh, Heather Locklear is trending. Uh, Heather Locklear, uh, these are the warning signs, people. She's been taken to the hospital for a psych evaluation. She was threatening to shoot herself.
1: Heather Locklear has been having a number of issues over recent years, Uh, drugs, alcohol, I think pills is more likely, pills, alcohol. She uh, was arrested for felony domestic violence earlier in the year in February, a charge that was later reduced to a misdemeanor and then dropped entirely. But she's still facing four counts of misdemeanor battery against a cop after she allegedly kicked and hit the officers when they tried to arrest her during that same incident. She did go to a rehab center for two months that ended in late April. But, uh, she hasn't really been spotted out and about except for an AA meeting in late May in Thousand Oaks.
0: Um, she had just returned from a trip to Boston, I guess when they, when that fight happened way back in, in February and her own daughter was there, a 20 year old daughter was in the house at the time. Uh, but she, um, Ava, is the daughter's name. She has been concerned and sad about her mom for some time. This, this is, uh, you know, this is the unfortunate thing. This happens every day to families of people every single day, where someone's life begins to spiral, and the family can usually deal with this in private. It's unfortunate that this is done in such a public manner with Heather Locklear, but, but these are the warning signs before this gets really bad
1: disney has issued a warning to viewers about the new incredibles film about seizures
0: interesting there's this there's a sequence of
1: uh, there's a sequence of flashing lights they say that may affect customers who are susceptible to photosensitive epilepsy or other photosensitivities blake
0: yeah you saw incredibles i could see how that could cause seizures yeah And the villain's name in this is uh, Screen Slaver. Yep. The Epilepsy Foundation issued a statement about concerns that they could, uh, the people with epilepsy could suffer a seizure. A lot of video games for years now have come with warnings about this, uh, that if you're sensitive to these uh, flashing lights that you might be, uh, you might, it might trigger something in you that's not the right way to put it but that's all
1: i can come up with a study released today by creditcards.com says 10% of millennials don't tip at all while dining out wow
0: they don't tip at all yeah um would you prefer would you prefer there just be a service fee added to whatever you're doing like
1: some restaurants do do that now and i do like it yes
0: but, and you don't have to tip above that
1: right and i mean you can yeah
0: but like in Costa Rica, they had a ridiculous. It was like a thirteen percent tax, and then a ten percent service fee on top of that, which I assume was the tip. But I would always give a couple more bucks because I didn't know, I didn't know the actual protocol there. Yeah. Um, millennials who do tip at restaurants tend to leave a gratuity of fifteen percent, less than the overall average. Gen Xers, baby boomers, and the oldest Americans, the Silent Generation are much more generous leaving between 18 and 20% on average. I've always tried to teach my kids, I think you know, my son is the one who's out and about eating at restaurants if he's going to go take a take a young gal out on a date, out on the town. Um I've always told him that you have to tip. You have, you absolutely must tip and be generous with it because maybe that person needs the money more than you do. Right. But I don't know if he gets it. But I've told him you must not dip.
1: Blake, you tip, right? Yep. Okay. Nick?
0: Oh, yeah, I tip. Okay, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. That's why you're a Dumbledore. Thank you. My goodness. A, gri- a Griffin see, door?
0: Blake, now you remember when she said Yoda was in the desert and I played yeah. the Superman? It theme. does hurt
2: a little <laughs> bit. It does. It's a total mean girl thing. Yeah, it's not. it's not cool, man.
1: It's not cool, man. <laughs> You are the ones being the elitist with your knowledge of Harry Potter we gave and You gave the Yoda. knowledge like
2: five times and you're intentionally messing These it up. These are difficult Listen, I, words. I still took the All compliment. the different homes. But you know Dumbledore's a person. They're houses, actually.
1: I did do that one on purpose. Yeah. You're right. But Beca- only because I couldn't come up with the Gryffindor or whatever. You then. just did right now. Okay. There we go.
0: It's
2: typical Slytherin. Gryffindor. Uh,
0: and then finally, uh, even if, with me. if millennials <laughs> tip, they shouldn't Dip norovirus streptococcus herpes all of that stuff is lurking in your chip dip at your parties microbiologists have revealed in food unwrapped that thousands of organisms live in the tiniest amount of saliva so that when someone double dips the bacteria can transfer and multiply yes even the herp. they tested three popular dips taramasala, taramasalata have you ever had that I don't know what that is, Tara masalata, hummus, and sour cream.
1: You can't double dip. Everyone knows that.
0: And the test of these three popular dips reveals that the runnier the sauce, the easier it is for bacteria to grow and multiply.
1: Tara masalata. Mm. That seems like it's maybe Indian or something.
0: I, uh, I I think Neil is running down the hall to tell us what that is. All right. Um, when we come back, let's get into the story about Bill Gross. Mm-hmm. It's a fitting name, fitting name for what he did to get revenge on his ex-wife. Fart spray, as Monica puts it, appointment radio. We'll tell you about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. But
3: if it's the, drug, the women, the white,
2: the weak.
1: What's her name when she came up with all those words? The Hufflepuffs and the Dumbledores. J.K. Rowling? Yeah, she must <laughs> get into the pot big time. No, it's
2: just British whimsy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> British whimsy. That makes perfect she sense. she had like an edible biscuit. And, yeah, uh, oh, I
1: love biscuits.
0: England. Some tea
1: uh, and biscuits.
0: Yeah. Bottom of the hour, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. Right now, the Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz is uh, testifying Before a Senate committee. Uh, So we'll hear from uh, a little bit about that, what's been going on and what uh, senators are asking him about in the context of the big uh, inspector general's report that came out last week.
1: Divorces can be oh so messy. And sometimes when you are a public person and all your messy details in your divorce proceedings are looked into, they become public. And this is an unfortunate thing that became public. This is Bill Gross, the investor, and he uh, he and his ex-wife really got into it. Apparently, he just loved his home that he was in. They were in together in Laguna Beach. Beautiful 13,819 square foot Lag- Laguna Beach home. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. But almost 14,000 square foot house.
1: Yes, for two people. Yes. I don't even think my house is a thousand square feet,
0: and it fits two people just fine. I, I would say it's pretty. It may be a th- maybe a thousand, maybe
1: a 1, thousand, 1, yeah.
0: yeah, Um, and this house was worth. I saw anywhere between twenty million and thirty-six million dollars. That's, That's how too much many this millions.
1: Is. That's too many. That's, That's too much. Apparently, he was using foul-smelling sprays in the home. He placed dead fish in the air vents. This is according to his ex-wife, Sue. She put this in court papers. She won a temporary restraining order against him last week, and she says she has evidence of these foul odor moves that he played. Empty spray bottles and trash cans. She,
0: she claims that there are these, these foul-smelling sprays, and it's not like an aerosol can. I would have, it, it almost looks like a little travel uh, hairspray pump. Yeah, it's not a, it's not an aerosol can, but it's got this foul smelling stuff in it that some of it was was puke smell and some of it was fart smell She's, in the garbage.
1: Yeah, she said she he just left the, the house in total chaos. The house plants smelled foul and need to be replaced, she said in the papers. That there was going to be a substantial amount of time and money needed to rehab the property.
0: I love there's one thing in here that makes me laugh the hardest it says that among other things oh (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm getting at i think so there was uh, there were photos of all the damage one of them was an art installation of cats that had their facial features scratched out (laughs) (laughs) okay if you if you are in a, th- let's assume the high end, and you're in a $36 million, 14,000-square-foot house.
1: That's enough space for an, a cat art installation. No!
0: That is proof that there is such thing as having too much money.
1: Yeah. I, if you've got an art installation of cats in the home. I will I will scratch
0: their facial features out <laughs> just to get back at you. Um. She said in the court documents that I am exhausted and beleaguered by this omnipresent interference and am mortified that my loved ones have been subjected to harassment for no reason other than their relationship with me.
1: Apparently, Sue, though, took a 1932 Pablo Picasso painting worth $37 million. Oh,
0: but she replaced it, didn't she?
1: I don't know. That's not the point. The point is, is that they had a Picasso worth thirty-seven million dollars. So they wait next to their art installation of cats. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they they had a painting worth as much but, as their house, more
1: than their house, about a million more than their house. Oh my gosh! It's just fascinating how these people live, isn't it? Well, we saw
0: a lot of this when um, uh, when. Frank and Jamie McCourt went through their
6: divorce. Oh, yes. You
1: know I loved that. I covered that divorce. It was one of the best trials ever to cover because you found out ridiculous things like the fact that they had side-by-side homes in Malibu yeah. that one of the homes right there on PCH, they only used it for laundry. Like that was their laundry house. It was like a laundry room, but a whole house and in Malibu on the water. <laughs> they had a home in, I want to say, Holmby Hills or that air, one of those areas, maybe Brentwood, where Jamie McCourt only went to that house to use it for its swimming pool. Like, <laughs> you, you just heard details. There will never be a shortage of curiosity for the sordid details of the rich and famous. You know, it's how Jackie Collins made so much money on her books over the years. It's just fascinating to find out the ridiculous stuff that people do when they've just got money coming out the wazoo.
0: The reference to the Picasso, by the way, I was certain I saw this, and now I have this for sure. This Picasso worth $37 million, Le Repos. Le Repos. It's a woman
1: lying in repose. Le
0: Repos.
3: Repos. Le
0: Repos. She did take the painting she admitted she had had it uh, for weeks in her custody it was in his bedroom but he didn't know it was missing it's because a... she painted a forgery and hung it back in its place Oh
1: damn <laughs> that's, that's War favorite. of the Roses stuff right there She
0: forged a copy of it hung it in the place of the original at the home when they first
1: uh, Have you ever seen that movie War of the Roses with Michael Douglas Yeah it's a great it's a great movie it's one of those great divorce uh movies of all time. Just the animosity. That's a beautiful yeah. picture, though, isn't it? This Picasso, Le Repos? Yeah,
2: but...
1: And not for $37 million, Seven million, though.
0: I mean, it is Picasso, after
1: all. Yeah, but you know what you could do with that money?
0: Buy another one of the houses that's right next to their house, and then use one just for laundry?
1: Yeah. I think that. I think the house is in the McCourt divorce. One was like $23 million, and one was $26 million or something like that. And one of them just solely for laundry. <laughs> what a horse's ass! And at the same time, he's raising the freaking parking rates at, at Dodger Stadium. Oh, we got to buy another laundry house for you, Frank.
0: The, the ass hat. The other part about having that much money and dealing with that much um, that much animosity in a divorce like that is that you've got lawyers who are telling you to do things so that you can fund their vacation to Bali. Yes. Right? I mean, they're telling you, oh, you know what we should do? We should go back and go to court and get another restraining order because she's crazy.
1: Here's the thing that I didn't get when I was covering them a court divorce. There was about 10, 11 lawyers between both teams at any point in in that courtroom. Why you don't look at each other, you know, Jamie looks over at Frank, Frank looks over at Jamie and just says, What are we doing? We're wasting so much money on all these people. They're $500 an hour attorneys. Let's just figure it out. Yeah. Screw these guys. Let's just figure it out.
0: Uh, I think at that point, it's a winning thing. Like they want to be the one who wins. Yeah. There's that much animosity in that relationship that you just feel like you're going to win the argument. And these, these, (laughs) these people in these very expensive suits are going to help me win it. It's just sad.
1: The takeaway, Gary, is mo' money, mo' problems.
0: Yes. (laughs) So brilliant. Swamp Watch, when we come back, we're going to talk about this uh, latest on the zero tolerance immigration policy about splitting up families at the border. And um, we're going to get into the story also of the inspector general who is testifying alongside the FBI director, uh, the inspector general for the Department of Justice testifying before the Senate. Talk about that. Coming up next on Gary and Shannon.
3: Drain the swamp. We're gonna drain the swamp of Washington. We're gonna have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp
2: Swamp Watch.
0: Gary and Shannon. Well, in Swamp Watch every day we get to talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., what's happening. Uh, One of the things that we'll get to in just a few minutes is the uh, inspector general from the Department of Justice uh, and the director of the FBI, Michael Ray, they are both testifying before a Senate committee right now. we will get into some of the details about what it is that they are sort of fleshing out some of the details about the inspector general's report that came out and the investigation into any potential political bias it was uh, that the FBI had, the Department of Justice had when they were investigating uh, potential Russia, uh, Russian interference with the election and also uh, the Hillary Clinton email server issue.
1: But the big story over the weekend and continued to dominate the headlines today were children in cages, really. A lot of outrage over the Trump administration's zero tolerance uh, directive. That means more parents are being separated from kids at the border. Arlette signs joins us now from Washington with the latest.
6: Hey there. Well, the Trump administration has really doubled down on the president's uh, policy that is separating uh, children from their family or from their parents as they're detained after crossing the border. Uh, The president this morning uh, was tweeting about it. You also had Homeland Security uh, Secretary Kirsten Nielsen was speaking in New Orleans, uh, saying that we are going to do our jobs and saying that this is part of the law. But we do know that this is part of the Trump administration's zero tolerance policy. That they announced a short while ago, just about a month or two ago, uh, that has decided to go ahead and, and crack down on those uh, individuals who are crossing the border and go ahead and uh, charge their, or, or suggest that they be charged, which is essentially separating those parents from their children.
0: Uh, we know that uh, Health and Human Services is the organization, is the agency that takes the kids. Where, what happens to them after they're separated from their parents?
6: Well, you've seen a lot of uh, the reports of there's a facility or one such facility uh, that's located down in Brownsville, Texas, which is a former Walmart that's been converted into a facility that they are holding these children in. And there's various facilities um, across uh, the southern border area that are housing uh, these children right now. So HHS has actually told us that so far they have 11,785, that's a number that they gave us, this morning of children that they are currently have in their custody, uh, unaccompanied minors uh, that they have taken from their parents uh, because those parents are now tr- uh, facing criminal prosecution. So these uh, kids are being held in these facilities. Uh, HHS has been putting out some video where you have seen that these kids are uh, sleeping on mats. Uh, they are only allowed outside for a few t- uh, hours each day. Uh, but HHS has said that they are taking a uh, good char- care of these children.
1: There are a couple of bills floating around Congress right now dealing with immigration, but they don't seem to address this particular issue. Is, is there any talk about addressing uh, the separation of kids from from their parents?
6: Well, over in the Senate, uh, there is a group of Democrats led by Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, who are working on a bill that would address this. But then we also know that the House uh, is planning on considering two immigration bills this week. One of those, a draft proposal, uh, does have an element that would deal with the separation of families. And the other proposal, they may actually be adding that in as well. But one issue is that, uh, one, it's unclear whether there's enough support for both of those bills uh in the house and then it would still have to come over to the senate and it's unclear whether it would pass there either
0: i mean it seems like everyone has come out and said they don't like this policy they don't like separating kids from parents because you've got melania trump who has said that right in a very high profile op-ed piece laura bush said that um you've got paul ryan saying that so what will it take for some piece of legislation i mean you mentioned that the senate democrats and diane feinstein's plan but that's not going to go anywhere i don't think what's it going to take for there to be an actual change in this policy
6: well, it's certainly become an issue that no one can ignore, as you've seen these images uh, pour out over the weekend and the past week of these kids, uh, it, not only in these facilities, but there's also, you know, there's that one photo of the young girl crying as her parents are taken away from her. And I think that that's probably uh, what it may push this over the edge, is that emotional uh, appeal that it's very hard for lawmakers to ignore. And at some point, their constituents uh, may start to hold them accountable if uh, they don't take
0: action seems like it's going to be a difficult and uphill climb for both sides in this yeah, yeah.
1: well because everyone's going to have their own things attached to it too i mean i don't know
0: arlette thank you thank you arlette signs there with the latest from capitol hill um
1: i just don't see this problem going away anytime soon and does it just get does the the media just get um, fatigued of it and stop covering it or is it just going to snowball i don't know
0: no i i think uh, the, the image that she was referring to it's it's a picture it's actually a series of pictures but one of them that's most endearing i guess is the right word is a little girl who's probably two or three years old standing on the ground and the picture is of her but you can see sort of uh up to the waist on a border patrol agent who is searching her mother basically i guess i think they're from either honduras or guatemala as they're coming through and then the the big border patrol Uh, truck in the background and it's i mean it's a tough. the thing is it's no one i don't know anyone who's you know overjoyed at the idea of pulling kids away from their parents the way even uh kirsten nielsen put it was nobody likes this nobody thinks this is a great idea it's that we're put in a position where it's against the it's against federal law to keep kids with their Parents who are being charged with crimes. It's against federal law to keep them in the same place. If you want to change it, you got to change it. I mentioned Melania Trump. She wrote that, I'm sorry, a spokesperson said that Melania Trump hates to see families separated at the border and hopes that both sides of the aisle can reform the nation's immigration laws. Her spokesperson says she believes we need to be a country that follows all laws, but also a country that governs with heart and heart. And she hopes that both people can come together, both sides can finally come together to achieve successful immigration reform.
1: Hillary Clinton was at an awards lunch for the Women's Forum of New York today, and she's crying, I told you so. She said she'd warned during the campaign that Trump's hardline immigration stance would result in these family separations, certainly more of them. And she says, uh, now as we watch with broken hearts, that's exactly what's happening, calling it a, a a moral and humanitarian crisis.
0: Well, I don't. I don't understand how this is supposedly different from when we saw tens of thousands of unaccompanied minors coming across the coming across the border when Obama was president, and the criticism that he received for not dealing with that issue fast enough, not having the the resources in place to uh, to accept and deal with these kids that were coming over. It's. I mean, it's an unwinnable issue right now, but they can be fixed to some degree. I think. We'll come back, talk more about Washington, D.C., and uh, I'll tell you what's going on with this Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the inspector general's report about what was going on with the FBI investigations into uh, the Trump campaign and to Hillary Clinton's email server. They're testifying right now in front of the Senate.
1: Also, did you hear what Canada did to its national anthem? Oh, no. Oh, yes. It's all about gender or stop. It's not all about gender.
0: They lubed it up with gender fluid.
1: No, see, yeah, to make it make it weird.
0: Oh, I made it weird.
1: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. Like
3: like Gary and like
0: Shannon.
1: Did you hear about been this been new uh, mental health condition? Apparently. The World Health Organization has said that compulsively playing video games now qualifies as a new mental health condition.
0: Interesting. I I could see that. totally could see that. We'll talk about that next hour. Right now, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee is asking questions of Michael Horowitz. The inspector general who put out that Department of Justice report last week. And the head of the FBI, Michael Ray, this is Michael Michael Horowitz. We
3: found the implication that senior FBI employees would be willing to take official action to impact a presidential candidate's electoral prospects to be deeply troubling and antithetical to the core values of the FBI and the Justice Department.
0: So what he has been saying, what Michael Horowitz and Christopher Ray have been telling these senators is they are determined to not repeat any of the mistakes um, that... The, the FBI handling sensitive investigations has to be particularly careful about even the appearance of political bias. If you remember the, uh, the anti-Trump text messages that were exchanged by a bunch of FBI employees, including ones who were in charge of investigations into Hillary Clinton's email servers and then also any potential Russian interference with the election. And it, the... You know, you can you can read into it after having plowed through a bunch of stories about this this weekend. You can kind of read into the report what you want to. You, you can say that even if the inspector general didn't find that anyone acted because of their political bias or used that political bias in any of their decision making, you could say that that's proof that it was a it was well done, that they were able to keep their politics out of it. But the other reading of it is no one keeps politics out of anything. And when you're that careless with your political bias against one particular candidate or the other, it's going to come through in everything that you do. So it's just one of those frustrating uh, issues because everyone gets to read what they want into it. The, The inspector general said that there are plenty of lessons to be learned, including respecting the institution's hierarchy and norms. Called out James Comey for or insubordination, I think was the word he used.
1: Trump went after, uh, what's his face? Shrock. Shrock. Uh, on, on Twitter again, calling him a sick loser.
0: <laughs> I, he worked on the, the, the tweet is Why was the FBI's sick loser, Peter Strock, working on the totally discredited Mueller team of 13 angry and conflicted Democrats when Strock was giving crooked Hillary a free pass, yet telling his lover, lawyer Lisa Page? We'll stop Trump from becoming president. Witch hunt.
1: Ivanka Trump is visiting California next week. She's going to be in town for a couple Republican fundraisers. Barack Obama's headed here, too, for a DNC fundraiser. I thought that was the same week. We'll have to check the dates on that. Um, the yeah, proceeds. Should,
0: should be here today, right? Headline the events. In is that today, today or is
1: that next Monday? It's today. Oh, OK.
0: Um, the proceeds will support. Protect the House, the the Political Action Committee led by McCarthy and Mike Pence, uh, aiming to keep control of Congress after the midterms in 2018. What's going on in Canada, please?
1: Well, Canada, uh, the the Senate up there has passed a bill making the country's national anthem gender neutral. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the words to "O Canada," and
0: "O oh, Canada." My home, my native land, true patriot blood, love, right? not, love. Blood. not blood,
1: in all thy sons. In all
0: thy sons' command.
1: So the bill changes that phrase right there: "In all thy sons' command" to "In all of us command." Now it must receive the royal assent from the governor general beca- before it becomes law. It was praised by prominent Canadians, this bill, including Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the and Handmaid's Atwood. Tale author Margaret Atwood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, in that case, boy, we got to change that.
1: What's, uh, you know, they, didn't they steal, they, they kind of stole our melody from us, didn't, didn't they?
0: Uh, yes, I don't remember. But, I, I mean, look, they steal a lot of stuff from us. They stole Which... hockey from us. Mm-hmm. They stole moosehead beer from us. They stole the Canadian Mounties But from us. we
1: stole Justin Bieber, Ryan Gosling. Is he Canadian? Yes. And uh, the other Canadian guy, Ryan Reynolds.
0: And Jim Carrey.
1: And Jim Carrey. And Shania Twain. Shania Twain.
0: Mm. Uh, the bill did pass the House of Commons a couple of years ago, but spent 18 months under debate in the Senate where it faced opposition from some members of the Conservative Party. Uh, Senator Denise Batters, Shameful retweeted shameful anti-democratic behavior by Trudeau appointed senators, including uh, Senator California speaker, whatever that is, Senator Canada speaker, as they shut down legitimate debate in the legitimate debate. This is what this is. Canada has so few problems that this is what they're spending their debate time on.
1: I was just going over the lyrics to all four verses of our national anthem, and I think that nobody's gender gets upset by it. Are you sure? I think so. You didn't
0: feel a twinge of your femininity being threatened by "Star-Spangled Banner."
1: Well, that's awfully judgmental of you to tell me that I have femininity. Maybe I don't. You're just attributing that to me because of my gender that I was born with. Because of my three balls.
0: (laughs) Because of outward appearances, I'm making.
1: You should be someone that doesn't see gender in 2018.
0: When we come back, Space Force! Space Force!
1: To reveal itself to you.
0: Can you, as a woman, be a part of Space
1: Space Force? Force. I don't like it when you're calling me a woman Uh just because of the gender I was born with, too. Whereas.
0: Gary Channel will continue. Space Force.
1: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Well, big news today. President Trump directs the Defense Department to immediately begin the process of establishing this new sixth branch of the military. Space Force.
3: Space Force.
0: Uh, let's hear it from the president himself.
3: Very importantly, I'm here by directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a Space Force as the sixth branch of the armed forces. That's a big statement. We are going to have the Air Force and we are going to have the Space Force separate but equal. Mm. Mm. I wish you didn't say that.
1: In other news, do you think that he has like big posters up in his room of different mock-ups of like what the Space Force uh, emblem will be? You know, like there's like like he's got prototypes for the wall. Mm -hmm. He's also hired a team of designers to come up with different Space Force, whether it's like font block letters, if it's you know, um, it, it what colors you use. I mean, all about the branding of Space Force. Maybe, maybe. Senator Bill Nelson out of Florida says generals don't want this. He says, thankfully, the president can't do this without Congress, because now (laughs) is not the time to rip the Air Force apart. Too many important missions at stake. Um,
0: He has said this before. I think it was in San Diego in the middle of March when he was down there for um, uh, speaking to I think it was members of the Air Force. Uh, but at, at least members of uh, one of the armed forces, and he was talking about Space Force, and that's where I got that goofy little uh, soundbite from. Where space it, Force! Where it says it was such aplomb, vigorous aplomb. But in addition to calling for the Space Force, he signed something called Space Policy Directive 3 today. Uh, it was a, a plan to push to lead in whatever, in the space space.
2: <laughs> Get it? Mm-hmm, that's where mm-hmm, the mm-hmm.
0: Um, This Space Policy Directive 3 is really traffic management. I mean, it's it's satellite management to mitigate debris in space. Uh, Executive Secretary of the National Space Council, Scott Pace, S. Pace, get it, uh, told reporters that he seeks to address the challenges of a congested space environment. If we're going to expand the economy in space, we need to make sure it's done in a sustainable way. That's very different from what the president was talking about. Uh, the president was talking about military domination in the space space but when you talk to scott pace about it it sounds much more like it's going to be uh, an economy an economic based plan to get out there and try to you know harvest whatever money we can from, from from having people launched into space or products from space or products grown in space or space tourism or something like that
1: uh james mad dog mattis has disapproved of this um, he wrote a letter to the House and Senate Armed Services Committees back a while ago saying, I oppose the creation of a new military service and additional organizational layers at a time when we are focused on reducing overhead and integrating joint warfighting efforts. Wasn't it just a couple of weeks ago when the president suggested removing troops from the Korean Peninsula to save money?
0: Yeah, I I don't know where he gets the idea from or who it is which advisors are saying to him, "Hey, space race sounds a space force sounds like a great
1: idea." Space th- force. I think he thinks it sounds like a great idea. Like it's the little kid in him that wants to create this.
0: I'm trying to remember if he's seventy two, he was in his. Uh, let's see, <clears throat> he would have been twenty something when the when when we landed on the moon. Maybe it greatly impacted him. I mean, we would have been think, fully conscious of the space race while it was in its, you know, when we saw Sputnik. and. I think
1: people who lived through those times look back on them with that same nostalgia and the whole make America great again feeling. When we were doing great things and we were going to the moon. I think that that's uh, a very real thing that people uh, look back on that time as that's when America was truly great. Yeah, but
0: yes... But this isn't like that. I mean, we, when we did that, as as much as it was about dominating the space place and being the first to get there so that you, basically so the Russians couldn't get there yeah. and launch missiles from space, the, it's all we've changed from that. You well, know, we're in not East, in the Cold War anymore. Right. So uh,
1: there's not really a threat, a defense threat in space like there is. Uh, I don't know, uh, just throwing it out there on the Korean Peninsula. Sure.
0: Right. And, and we saw in the we're 80- gonna
1: we're gonna take our troops away from the Korean Peninsula and we're gonna put them in space. Wait, I don't, I'm not sure what the threat is. What, you know, <laughs> just I, I'm go not,
0: straight there, straight I, from Korea. I'd just like low Earth orbit to
1: see more details. I'd like to read the expository essay on the space force from from the president Donald Trump. Yeah,
0: I don't think that I don't think there is one. Uh,
1: Darth Vader has tweeted. Oh, dear President Trump, if you want to create a space force, I'm your guy. I was once the supreme commander of the Galactic Empire. Give me a call when you can. Sincerely, Lord Vader. <laughs>
3: Space Force. Space Force. Space Force. Space Force.
0: Almost sounds like ABBA.
1: Space Force. A little bit. That's why I love Space it so much. It's
3: catchy. Space Force. It makes you feel Space. kind of light and happy.
2: Wait, Space
3: Space is a war-fighting domain, just like the land, the air, and sea. We have the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Space Force. Uh, my new national strategy could be Space Force, Space, Space, for Space Force, Space Force, Space, Space Force.
0: The thing is a lot of what goes on in space, our military assets in space, satellites and that sort of thing, are already being controlled by the Air Force. There's a whole branch that does nothing but that whole versus So I'm curious to see why he wants that he wants it uh, spun off into its own into its own entity. Well, space Force.
1: Speaking of Space Force, we need your help with a last big push to get George Norrie into the National Radio Hall of Fame. How can I help out? Vote now for George Norrie's National Radio Hall of Fame induction by texting the code 700 to 96,000. That's 700 to 96,000. And by voting online at RadioVote.com. Because nobody knows space like George Norrie. Space
3: Force.
0: (laughs) George, Commander George Norrie. Of the United States Space Force. Space
3: Force.
1: Space Force.
0: Uh, coming back. The World Health Organization has taken an interesting leap saying that compulsively playing video games now qualifies as a mental health condition. Talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon.
1: I wonder, yeah, I'm curious, does that open up some some funding sources, some treatment programs? Can you... Uh... Rehab, lots yeah. of rehab. Can you go to a rehab and have your company pay for it? Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to check my insurance policy right now.
3: Oh,
1: oh, 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 Gary and Shannon. If I am 640, oh my gosh, it's so much fun when we uh, bring people from the industry, the industry in here, uh, <laughs> actors industry. or producers or Imagineers.
0: John Michael Higgins, you know him from all of the Pitch Perfect movies, from all of the Christopher Guest movies like Mighty Wind and Best in Show. Hmm. He's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. That'll
3: be fun.
1: But right now we are going to talk about a new mental health condition, a new classification, if you will, from the World Health Organization. Ryan Burrow joins us now from Chicago. Ryan, what's the latest?
5: Good afternoon. Compulsive compulsive video game playing now qualifies as a mental health condition,
0: believe it or not. Mm. What's, uh, What's your game of choice?
5: my game of choice i'm still in uh the mario brothers uh era that uh you know I, I i dug it out of Me my basement and i set it up <laughs> and uh my duck hunt gun doesn't work anymore Ooh. but uh, everything else paperboy castlevania it's going a little
0: nes on there make sure you blow on the cartridge before you put it in yes you, you, that's yeah, key
5: absolutely and i've got game genie so i can trick it out with some Aww. cheat codes and things like that did you ever that's catch the kids are, did, did you ever free the princess I, well, she's always in another castle. That's right. the problem.
1: But then you get to the end, <laughs> I think. Don't you get to the end?
5: Yeah, you do. You yeah. do. And you save I think my brother easier.
1: finished that game.
5: Yeah. Well, you know, the kids now are are playing uh, much more high-tech games than that. Fortnite seems to be leading the way, and unfortunately, uh, as as we saw in the 80s and 90s and beyond, you know, people, kids especially, tend to spend a lot of time uh, playing these games, maybe hours upon hours after school, maybe on the weekends. Uh, Maybe you don't see them at all during the day because they're so busy playing. Uh, That's not necessarily leading to compulsive video game disorder. Um, There may be other factors at risk here, but uh, this is the first time that the World Health Organization says, yes, this is a problem. Uh, There are addictions here that are quite similar to what we see with uh, drug addicts uh, as far as channels and brainwaves that are being used. And uh, this could qualify for therapy for uh, even possibly medication.
0: There were some mental health professionals who disagreed with this. Do you know why?
5: Yeah, you know the American Psychiatric Association hasn't quite come along uh, with this agreement, and and the concerns are a couple reasons. Number one, uh, WHO says this impacts about three percent of gamers. A lot of other agencies says not even close. It's it's less than one percent, and so the concern is that you've got a lot of parents, teachers, people in the community who think that maybe there's an addiction, maybe there's some kind of uh, mental illness associated with a kid who just likes to play video games for three hours. It's not that serious.
1: How does it work now? Uh, I was wondering before the break about, I I think if we had like a a drug addiction or something, the insurance company through our health insurance would pay for a rehab because it is diagnosed as an addiction or a a condition or something, illness or something like that. Would rehab for video games be a thing that insurance companies had to, to cover?
5: You know, that that's a good question. And and with this, we'll see if more dominoes start to fall. I mean, you, you've got uh, perhaps uh, pre-existing conditions, that, you know, for smokers. Uh, you know, do you smoke? Have you smoked? How much do you drink? Do you do any drugs? Those questions are asked when you uh, get insurance. And uh, maybe someday uh, you'll get that question, how many hours of video games did you play every day growing up? Or how many do you play now? Uh, you know, the question's been posed that, that maybe someday on these questions, Questionnaires, you may be asked, did you play football as a child? I mean, these are all the things that we're kind of learning about now that in the future uh, could drastically change the way that healthcare is is viewed.
0: It it is also unique in that this is a problem that is most often found, it's not only, but most often found in adolescents and adolescent boys. So I wonder if there would be an issue of, of, you know, parents and teachers or doctors even ascribing the addiction word to somebody who is simply using video games. And there's...
5: Part of the argument, too, is that a lot of uh, people who do suffer this, who maybe are addicted to video games, they may be suffering from something else. There may be depression involved. They may There may be bipolar involved. And uh, perhaps video games are just, you know, in relation to that as opposed to the actual source of the problem.
1: It's fascinating because I always thought of video games addiction as like addictive behavior. You know, it's not like a chemical thing, but maybe it is a chemical thing in their mind. It's you know, dopamine hit, hits and things like that uh, from from the video games. But it it's kind of a slippery slope, isn't it, when you think about At- all the other things that we're addicted to, just right. screen time.
5: Absolutely. I mean, people are addicted to gambling. They're addicted to screen time. They're addicted to drugs or alcohol. I mean, it's just what's going to fill that void. And according to the WHO, compulsive video game is one of those things.
0: Ryan Burrow, thank you. Take
1: care. Good luck with the princess. <laughs>
0: when- Uh, I saw this write-up of of a description of what an addiction is, Uh, not having to involve drugs. Like, I mean, Ryan was just talking about the other things that we can be addicted to. An addiction is a chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry. So any substance or activity that starts to trigger that brain reward center, the the bits that release the hormones that make us feel good— any activity that starts to trigger the reward center in a way that makes you pathologically pursue relief, is considered addiction. Interesting. You pathologically, without even really thinking about going after that hit, whatever it is. If it's a hit of the video game sounds and images, the the feeling of the controller. If it's the cocaine, if it's the alcohol, whatever it is, that's their the the definition that somebody uses. Or it's running. Not official, but. Running can be one, yeah. yeah, for people who are crazy. I,
1: like, I wish I was addicted to running. That would work out well. <laughs> I don't think your
0: think. knees would like that. Um, when wow. we come back. No, no, I just mean that not not that you're fat. By the way, oh, that somebody, was funny.
1: somebody on
0: Friday, <laughs> this was the greatest comment. Somebody on Friday came up and said something to us. We were at Slide Bar in Fullerton doing our news and brews. And in a commercial break, a woman came up and said "It's <laughs> a Shannon, I thought you were really fat, the way he talks about you. See? (laughs) you see? No, I don't see. Hey, fatty. See? That was very funny. She was
1: like, wow, where's the rest of you? You're skinny, aren't you? Uh, All
0: right. Coming back, John Michael Higgins, host of the new Game Show Network show, America Says, is going to join us in studio. We keep on running, running
3: through a red light like we shine.
0: Uh, Monday. It's June 18th. Uh, today also marks the premiere of a new show on the Game Show Network called America Says, and uh, it is hosted by the one and only John Michael Higgins, who joins us. Uh, prefer Michael? Is that I actually go by Michael.
1: Michael. You, you can
0: call me whatever you like.
4: Can well, we call
1: you uh, Mike? Yeah. Uh, Big Mike, President Higgins, M-Dog, <laughs> M-Dog, <laughs> M-dog. Yeah, let's
4: do it, let's do M-Dog for a right, while, uh, let's see how that let's I see
1: fell in love with you first, uh, just
4: stop right there, and that's all I need, yeah, Thanks. Uh, what, this what has was been it? so Almost fun, guys. 20
1: years ago, best in show,
4: yeah, paging yeah. Dr. Freud, 20 years ago,
1: oh, you know what, I, I did an
4: interview, I hate to tell you, you're not the only interview I'm doing today, why?
1: You didn't need I'm to sorry. tell us, not, I, I'm so Big sorry, Mike. I,
4: I did one other, and they, they the guy led with some article that's out there that today that uh, in rolling stone or something that says uh, that it shows best in show is not one of the the funniest movie of all time. Really? Yeah, I think so. You could try I mean, they said it. It's been mentioned to me twice already.
1: Your lines in that movie were, I think, the funniest. I mean, there's a lot of funny things about that movie. It's really the gift that keeps on giving. If you've never seen Best in Show or if you've seen it 19 times, it's always good for another watch. You can always
4: find something in it yeah. that, that you haven't seen before. Yeah. Oh, did
1: you, I mean, I feel like those lines were, did you come up with some of that yeah. stuff? Yeah. All of it. All of it. I, I, sure. I, okay, I had a feeling.
4: Yeah, Chris... Christopher Guest, you know, he's uh, some—he's a mad genius, obviously of some sort—and um, he invented this format. But a lot of the format is he comes up with the story and the characters and stuff. But then we're really on our own. He just throws us out there, and I have a script in front of me that says, like, Scene sixty-seven, uh, interior hotel lobby, Scott and Stefan check into the hotel. Period. <laughs>
1: And then you just And go. I'm like looking <laughs> on the
4: back of the page. I'm like, that's it? You know? Um, and, uh, you know, Chris gets there. He says, don't don't go past the plant. We can't see you if you do. And stay there. And Ed Begley will check you in. And, <laughs> and my feeling is like, listen, if I'm in a scene with Ed Begley and Michael McKean... I'm fine. Something, uh, whatever happens, maybe they feel the same way, and
0: we're all just going to be in this together. If it dies, it dies, and it works, it works. In a situation like that, do you do ten, twelve takes of a scene, or do you just do one and say, you yeah. know what, that was it? And the latter, uh, two maybe. We'll we'll do a run on it, see what's there. Chris
4: will step forward and say. You know, uh, get off of that thing about your mother. I'm not going to be able to use that here. But I do like that area you were in where you were talking about this. Go in there more. And then he quickly, we do another take. He'll go in closer on little things. Again, it's impossible to edit these things because they're improvised. And then you'll have a picture of my hand signing the guest registry or, you know, just to clean up the scene. And then we're done. That's it. Moving on. You know.
1: That's what I think makes that so movie great. so magical. Yeah, because there was so much improv.
4: I'm telling you, it's a it's an ingenious format because you do understand as an audience member that something is happening like there. We're in danger here because no one is quite sure what's going to happen next. And you watch a regular comedy and it's like it's it's as tight as a drum. It's been tested before audiences. They've they've had a thousand people read the script. This is like good luck. And the audience knows it. And they respond to it. They like it. They like that's me. I'm in danger too. You know, um,
0: my daughter totally unprompted last night was saying, "Hey, uh, do you know John Smith from from Pitch Perfect?" And I said, "Do you mean Michael Higgins?" And she said, "Yeah," and she was. I don't remember what her. She was saying something about one of the lines that you delivered in one of the movies. One of her favorite movies, mm-hmm. the Pitch Perfect movies. Yeah, and uh, and I don't remember what line it was because I was all I was just blanked with. I am gonna drop such knowledge on my, do- my own <laughs> daughter, and for the first time ever in her 15 and a half years, she's going to be impressed with her dad, I said, Michael Higgins is coming into the studio tomorrow. Oh. Baby. And she lost her mind. Oh, I'm, I wish she were here. You
1: provided that moment for Gary on Father's Day. Yes! Like you Thank made you that magical for that. moment happen between that. he and his daughter.
4: You're welcome. I, on Father's Day, when I said, Hey, kids, I was in Pitch Perfect. They're like...
1: Get out of
4: my way! I'm doing something.
0: You know that. Uh, <laughs> since 1985, 86, basically, um, you have been, you have appeared in. Uh, it seems like an average of about 10 movies a year, not counting TV stuff. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a busy, busy career. It it has been it has been a busy
4: career. It's been very. Uh, I'm a character guy. Right. So I appear in a lot of different things and different characters and stuff. But honestly, if you walk down the street with me, you'd quickly see almost everybody who passes has clocked me. They're like, oh, that. Well, he's uh, er, right. He's either my dentist or a guy I went to a thing with, or he's not, no, no, no. He's in that movie. What's that? Mean? And then literally, I'm hearing them yell at each other 20 feet behind me now as we passed each other. He was in. No, 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 no. That was the. No, no, no. He was in. You're like I was in a
6: mall guy. I'm, yes. I'm in a mall. Yeah. They, they don't know. Yes. My,
4: they don't know my name. They don't know. All they know is that I'm the guy in. I'm that guy in whatever that thing was. <laughs> That's who I am.
0: <laughs> uh, the, the stories, though, I mean, the, I had a, just finished a, a book, and I wanted to ask you this. I don't know if you had any relationship with Robin Williams. I know that mm-hmm. you were in Bicentennial Man. I, yeah, I, I worked with him. Um, I just finished a book about, it was an, or a biography of his, and it was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the way through. And I know that you, you know, your time with him was, was much earlier than, than the time that he started showing signs mm-hmm. of, of illness and stuff. Um, but that is that a thing that 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 gripped you like it gripped everybody else, especially because uh, you had worked with him.
4: Absolutely, you know, uh, Robin obviously a very special uh, case. You know, obscenely uh, uh, talented and um, uh, so f- uh, fertile. You know, his uh, his brain worked in such as like far reaching, fertile, and like constantly producing material. Um, a. L- my experience with comedians and people like that is, you know, there's always a dark strain in, in, a, in a good comic. There's, that's sort of where their juice comes from, and it's where the funny is, frankly. It's terrible to say, but it's true. It's where all that danger is, you know, and that makes people get excited and laugh. Robin, though, I would have to say I did a film with him. I can't remember when it was. It was a long time ago. Um, so kind, so dear. He was like a dear, sweet man, you know, and whatever demons he had, he didn't visit them on us. You know what I mean? He was nothing but gentlemanly, generous and listened carefully to everything you said, a real delight. And um, you ha- I oh, I had the sense that there was delicacy, you know, in all that. And I think it's in his work, too. It's it's beautiful work. You know, you can see it. Um. It was a great pleasure to to work with him. And it's a terrible tragedy, you know, that he was suffering so much and it had to end for him uh, in such a way. But um, I count it as a great um, honor of my life to have been associated with him in any way. It was lovely. That's really well well put that he
1: has a that. But he did seem delicate. You know, when you think about it, so many creative people are Mm. that way. Yeah, um, Gary's like that. You know, I I, I, I gotta be really right careful away. around Very delicate. him. Delicate. Very delicate. Very delicate. Like uh, we broke Gary. Beautiful flower. Yeah. We just broke him. Um, coming up, let's talk about America Says. <laughs> I'm excited about this game show. We were watching some some of the footage that we were not supposed to have, but we found it. Ooh. And uh, very dangerous. we were watching it, th- very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, <laughs> watching <laughs> it in the office this morning. It's good stuff. We'll talk about it when we come back.
0: Uh, we are also on uh, Facebook Live. If you want to see what's going on in the studio, you can just check it out uh, on Facebook. Go to Gary and Shannon page, and you'll see the uh, the link for the video there. We're talking with Michael Higgins. We'll come back in just a couple of minutes.
1: <laughs> Gary and Shannon. <laughs> came breakfast <by>.
0: porn. <laughs> Two men over easy, I think is what. <laughs> oh, I, boy.
1: I saw that one. Oh, that's uh, it, yeah. Breakfast a porn. A lot of
0: jokes available.
4: <laughs>
1: we're, we're talking to Michael Higgins. I will
4: not be saying any of them. Am is, are, we,
1: are we in
2: the air now? now we are. are the audience. We are
4: in
1: the uh, air. We are, are we in the air? Hey, look down there. It's Olive <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> Michael Higgins is host of the New Game Show Network. Uh, show America says we're
0: also on Facebook Live if you want to watch us, uh, Gary and Shannon. You can see what's going on in the studio. Uh, tell us about the show. It debuts today, actually. Uh, at, yes, today in a few hours. Uh,
4: I think it's uh, five uh, f- uh, five o'clock Eastern time, and yeah, so it'll be uh, five o'clock. Whatever the math, whatever is. that. Yeah. I don't, don't ask hard questions. Yeah, five five Look Eastern <laughs> time, two <laughs> o'clock. The correct time <laughs> is that, is, I don't know. Yeah. I, the show's. Uh, uh, you, Check your lo- lo- local Isn't that exactly. the phrase? Yes. All right, there you go. <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's get back to the show. It's a GSN show, Game Show Network. It's um, It'll remind you of a lot of like great old game shows that you kind of grew up with and enjoy. It certainly did me. Uh, it's a survey show like Family Feud. We ask America to answer a question. In this case, it's a fill-in-the-blank question, more like Match Game and Family Feud. And then our contestants have, like, not nearly enough time to come up with the answer, and it's very funny because they say outrageous things. Got to have the pressure because with the pressure
0: comes the ridiculous answers. Uh,
4: Yeah, and boy, they can say them too. I tell you, I've spent a lot of my career improvising, and uh, nobody is funnier than a real person under pressure.
1: (laughs) Do they ever, the, the producers or whatever, have to pull you back? Uh, is there any because game shows are kind of buttoned up and yeah
4: yeah you know uh, it's taped thankfully so that you know if if something just goes off the rails you know it's just it's too crazy or too blue or something like that then we can fix it and all that stuff but you want to fix it because the show it's to, it has to maintain this quality of fun which it really generates on its own I mean, we don't really have to do much it
0: it's a it plays like a house on. And it's really fun. Do you ever find yourself, I mean, just because of your, your um, improv muscles are probably yeah. finely tuned, that you run into a situation where somebody tees you up for what would be a great line, but you know it would never, ever make broadcast. Many times. <laughs> and every day,
4: if it's toward the end of the day... I'll go ahead and say it, <laughs> and I'll say, uh, you know, tell the audience it, we'll will all have a big laugh that and I'll say, way, "Don't say worry about audience, it; it'll go away." That was for you guys. That was yeah. for no you. No one
0: else is going to see that. Yeah,
4: that happens often in any taped show, you yeah. know, even in yours. Well, no. Well,
1: you know, we we can we get like away with quite a bit. You, you know, can. I I want you to feel free right now to say whatever you want. Forget it. I Maybe have you bosses. You can say you can, can say ass if you want. <laughs> I'm not saying that word. Okay. I just wanted you to know that you could.
4: <laughs> I'm thinking about that word, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the improv thing is, it's interesting. I um, it it really has brought me doing this show. Uh, America says has really brought home a very vital. thing. Uh, thing about improv that i have forgotten i've done so much improv but that the great uh the sweet spot for improvising if you're if you're a uh, an improviser is uh, listening so if i actually just tune right in to these contestants and try to sop up whatever is coming from them i will say something clever and it's uh it's a great lesson to be reminded of That if I stand up there and I'm trying to think of jokes, eventually I'll burn out like a match. And uh, all the material is in the contestants. You
1: play with the people, totally.
4: And and frankly, it's all on them. They're the ones who say the funny things. I just turn to the camera and cock my eyebrow after they say it. I get the laugh. They did the work. So you know. uh, But they they are
0: they're great. The contestants. They really make me laugh. What was your you mentioned just that this kind of reminds you of some of the older game shows. What was your favorite growing up? Uh I really
4: liked I, I I you know, I have to say I was I was attracted to those hosts too. here I am now a game show host, but I remember way back then I was thinking like uh, Gene Roddenberry and Ted uh, not Gene Roddenberry, he stars, Star Trek. Uh Gene Rayburn. <laughs> right. Um and uh, Ted Lang who who was the dating game and Bob Eubanks, newlywed game. Um all those guys were interesting to me. And it's like I kept thinking as a child, I was like, I could do that. I could do that. I didn't end up doing it. I became an actor, you know. But here it is, you know, and I'm doing it. So I really do admire. It doesn't look like they're doing much. But if you watch somebody like Bob Eubanks carefully, he's really working. You know, there's a lot going on, you know, for him. Yeah. Because uh, he's hearing everything. And he's making choices. He's winnowing out. He's going to find just the right wheat in the chaff. And then hit the audio, you know, turn to his camera and raise his eyebrow. And bang. Yeah,
1: there's, there's a lot know. of managing that goes on with those and yeah. managing personalities mm. and ha- finding the way that they can all fit together and make for good entertainment. I never thought about how much goes into hosting a game show. I'd like to get Gary into game show hosting. <laughs> on, I think Gary. he has the right hair for it.
4: Totally. Hair. Great, yeah. great hair. Thank you. you.
1: Good game show host hair. For you have sure. to get rid of
4: the glasses. Oh, really? I no, take have... them off. Okay. Yeah. Is that better? No, I can't put change. him back. Put him back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he
4: immediately crossed his eyes like an old vaudeville
3: old
0: vaudeville trick. Uh, I can see fine. Bang hits the wall. Um is there any a pitch perfect 4 coming? My daughter wants me to ask. Oh god, only knows. I don't know. You know what? <laughs> it's one of these franchises. You know what? There will be if the
4: last one made money. I think it did. Yeah, it did. As far as I know it did. Yeah. So, um you know, I hope they call
0: me again. They really those are improvised too for what, the most. Part. But let me ask you uh, about cuz I know you have a musical background as mm-hmm. well. Um was was all of that real singing? Yeah, in
4: some form or another, like the you know, it's a movie that's an edited movie, so we we have to pre-record in order to sure. you know. But the singers are singing and and um it's uh yeah it 's all real as far as i mean i don 't uh, i can 't say that the that the live, those performances you see on film are live performances which they 're not right but but they're playback performances. somebody made the music at would the point. would
1: you like to sing something right now yeah
4: i 'll sing anything you no i 'm not going to sing. <laughs> I'm not. You I'll have, sing for your daughter, privately, on the phone. Okay. Do you
1: it. have a favorite project?
4: Yeah, well, hold on. You may have noticed. They never asked me to sing in those
1: movies. Well, I was going to ask you. No, if I want, they're I want not
4: interested.
0: The, the fourth are. iteration of we the movie are. has yeah. got to be you, you and Elizabeth that's singing. That's what I said. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I actually,
4: one of the movies, I can't remember which one, having never seen any of
0: them. One of them,
4: one of them had Liz and I singing the Universal theme over the over the the logo oh, in the beginning oh really? you know you know the universal thing yeah. where you see the world yeah. spinning and all that and then that's us me and liz oh, going know bump, 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 you know going like that um, i
0: can't remember which one which one it was in
1: but that's I'll funny to
0: check it out that's
4: very yeah cool. i need to
1: re-watch those it's been a while <laughs>
0: michael thank you for coming in today yeah, we really appreciate really it really
1: quick do you have a favorite project or a favorite movie or show or that something? i've done yeah or is it like picking between children
4: do you have a favorite child? Really, that's not Is that as a hard as people. Question? I have a lot of not favorite children. Okay, uh, <laughs> Plenty of them. Actually, you know what? As a, as a rule, the things that I really, really enjoyed <laughs> went right into the toilet. No one cared and they hated them. And basically I was wrong, you know. Wow. And often they're in the business, you know, it's like it's so funny on the set and it's not funny in that in the uh, and then it's terrible on the set. God, I'd love to see funny. that, the yeah. stuff
1: that ended up in the toilet. Yeah.
4: And- oh gosh, there's so many so many. But you know what? I I have to say um that Bassin Show was incredibly fun to do and I love those people and we all have a good time. And frankly, I'm really enjoying being a game show host. I love this show. Erica says it's it really makes me laugh. It amuses me endlessly and it's good. It's hard to do, and if you thing. have
0: fun, I think that that
4: comes thought, across. Thought, That's all it you is. You know what
1: I thought he was just going to say? I really enjoyed this show. This show. No, no, this and show. Then, and then it didn't absolutely
4: happen. one of my worst memories. Yeah. Already, More. and
0: I have. I'm still sitting here. Thank you, Michael. You're Thank welcome. You. America says Game Show <laughs> Network. uh Check your local listings, but it uh, should be on this afternoon at some point. Thank you again.
1: More Thanks. of Michael's worst memory yeah. when we come back. <laughs>